All right, and we are back uh, from our minor little break. This time we didn't take 30 minutes, <laughs> which is nice. Um, so, yeah, one of the subjects that I wanted to bring kind of to the table here was NPC contracts. Uh, so the devs were kind of chatting a little bit about this earlier, sort of uh, giving, really kind of fleshing out that MMO style sort of gameplay to to this game. Because in any MMO, any good MMO, uh, you typically have, you know, like NPCs that give out quests on top of all the other uh, all the other shenanigans that's going on with the MMO and all this jazz. So uh, taking a look at it. <laughs> OK, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to follow Lex's steps and do an experiment here with my friends um, in one word or less. <laughs> I want everybody's first reaction. So, Curium, go first. What's the one word that you would use to describe what you just saw? Interesting. Okay. Dehaz? Oh, by the way, Dehaz is here. He got off the train finally, so he's, yes, he's joining I'm, us. I'm, I'm here now. <laughs> uh, my first reaction when I read it was, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. And Lex? Problematic. Yeah. For me, it was underwhelming. <laughs> It was, I took a look at that, like, and I get the idea that I was like, it was like $999, like dollars, whatever the currency was. And it was like a 25 drinking water. And I'm like, cool, I guess. Like, it just seems very underwhelming. I'm like, is that really worth it to like fly? That's like $2,000. Like every flight, every flight that somebody takes, typically speaking is around is around about a thousand bucks. Like if you were to fly back and forth, that's about 2000 bucks, give or take. Like when you, when you select a planet and hit go, you've just spent a thousand dollars, right? So it's like the bare minimum, I would say to, to make that flight worth it would probably be around like three to $4,000, give or take. That, that didn't actually bother me. Um, I'm not concerned about that. They can tweak the numbers on that. What really bothered me was it continues to fail to address the fundamental challenge of the game. It's you're just going to constrain logistics even more than you did before. Right? Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say, but... it actually makes it worse. Oh, yeah, be... <laughs> I never yeah, because that. It, it, it takes up the ships that used to be running logistics for just doing contracts. Yep. I, uh, and, and I'll talk about this logistics bottleneck in the next part, but that's, that's my immediate thought was if, if it really is for new players and it gives players that don't have the ability to go to local market and aren't involved in the chain, some startup money, and it actually pays for itself like it's more than the fuel cost, and you can actually make some money out of it. Maybe. I have my doubts, though. Um, well, Because the number one constraint in this game is not money, it's logistics. And this just makes the problem worse. So and I don't the, really like solutions that do that. The first, like, literally the first thing that this reminded me of was um, uh, something in Kerbal Space Program. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's quite. It's uh, building rockets um, in a very kind of fun experimental way. Familiar with that one. Uh, and they have these contracts, and ninety percent of them it is take part A to situation X and test it. You and test it, and it costs you more to do that thing than it would be worth and or or you get like 
just barely more than you would spend doing it. And it's this very complex logistical problem that takes you away from actually getting to another planet. It distracts you from the main goal that what you're trying to do. And I think this is the, this is a distraction because that ship going and picking up this, uh, going and exploring this planet, unless you're doing it on the way to something, it is distracting you from expanding your base. It is distracting you from fulfilling contracts for other players and being part of the supply chain and all that other stuff. So unless there's some compelling reason why I need to go do this, that's some like more than just why didn't I just spend the time to expand my structure to get me 23 drinking water on a planet that I already own. Yeah, but, but this would be good idea for, for like new players who don't have, have a license and just have ships sitting around doing nothing. I mean, it's better for the ships to just go around collecting small amounts of money and resources than just sit, sitting around a base, not in, in, doing anything. In theory, but they'll, yeah, this, that's, I suppose, the, tar, the target audience, if there is such, a, such an audience, right, is that, those players. Um, they, they're they're going to have to figure out some interesting problems is the way I would describe it. It, it. I would need to be far more convinced than I am right this second to be excited about this. That's maybe that's my... all they attend it for is just beginner players. And you know, they... They, they say new and old players, free and pro licenses. So they're going to have to give experience player is doing that. They're wasting their ships. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, they're going to have to give me quite a bit of a big incentive than 999 currency. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think that's, the, that's totally going to change. I don't think yeah. that that's going to be a major issue. I think it's going to be far more of a, uh, um, you know, just one of those, it's a thing, but I think they cool. can tweak that pretty easily. I, I think that there is a mistake in this game of assuming that money is is in any way the primary challenge of this game it's just not and using ships to do to make money is frankly for most that's a beginner player activity but experienced players don't have enough logistic capability lying around until they get to a certain point so maybe the late game player but i mean why would i why would i want to tie up my limited logistic capability on some little Dinky contract. I'd have to be pretty. Here's where. Well, let's say give you a if if it contract whatever contract a late game player is going to get gives you five million. Still, why would you do it? Yeah. Here's where I think it boils down. It really comes down to: Am I going to get am I going to get ship parts? You know, am I going to get something unique? Anyway, sorry. No, 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 no. You make a fair point. (laughs) I thought if that was it, I'd be. I'd be like, give me another NPC contract. <laughs> I want to do this. Um, I think it boils down to optics at the end of the day. I think this is a completely optical thing on their behalf. I'm like, okay, what do you mean, Pear? Because you're right. You're all right. It For for older players tying up, unless it was, unless Lex, you said it right. Like, unless they were giving us freaking ship parts to... to <laughs> To, uh, to incentivize us to do these things, we are not doing them. Unless, yeah, unless it's just absolutely insane that we don't do them. Unless, like, they're one of the best methods to uh, what have you not, right? 
what I think it is, though, is it is uh, it's a new player decision. This is not an end game thing. This is a new player thing whereby new players are looking for something to do. I mean, we just we just spent the last hour discussing one of my greatest not greatest problems. I was going to say greatest problems, but one of my things I hear often the most from players is like, pair, what do I do? Right. I'm like, fair enough. What what do you do? <laughs> you know, and I've kind of we've kind of laid out a roadmap. And I mean, I hope people read it. And like I am getting I am getting tempted to the point where it's like if you join the corporation and ask me what do you do without reading things, I'm just like, I just don't have the time. Um, but it's go back. It goes back to that optics thing. Right. Where it's like new players are like, oh, like I can I can do this thing. I can feel like I'm making a pro- progression. Like that's what I think it is. Is like players are like like there's the shipping contracts, right? But I think if I'm correct on the announcement, it said that this was also for free players, right? Yeah, free and licensed players. There you go, right? Whereby I th- I think this is I think this is a two bird one one stone scenario here where it does two things: optics, where it's like, oh, this is something I can do in the game, right? This is something I do. And also the idea that it addresses the problem that a lot of new players have where they're like, well, like half the game is locked behind shipping, right? It's like shipping is the the thing that like you do. And little do they know I've made a video addressing that exact concern saying that shipping is not the thing you should be doing, it should be trading. But regardless, I think that addresses it too, where it's like, oh, like it kind of, it, it kind of those players that are like, I won't play this game because half the, half the game is locked behind a paywall, which it's not right? Um, they can do this thing, right? And they can feel satisfied doing this thing. They can feel that little dopamine hit, right? That are like, oh, I'm doing a thing. I'm pressing a lever. I'm doing a button, right? But I would say to really achieve the effect that you're talking about there, this has to be more than just, okay, so in this example, I go explore Umbra. Even as a new player, I go explore Umbra. What happens? I get a little bit of resources and then I promptly forget about it. There's no progression, that exploration of umbra doesn't like turn around and come back later there's no it doesn't even feel almost like the benefit of a traditional side quest in an mmo there's oh, no wait don't you, but you get the resources like is that not enough for you as a new player i i mean 23 drinking i mean the 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 resources are going to be somewhat random um and so the odds that you're going to get a resource that you need at that moment Sure. I I don't know. Go it's sell just, the it... resource. Like, the, like one of the things, it was interesting, actually. One of the things that, oh, and this is really what I wanted to bring up, actually, during during this chat. Because one thing that I know me and Lex have chatted about in previous podcasts. But um, they could really, and developers, if you're listening to this podcast, which I know some of them do listen, um one of the things you could do with these NPC contracts is make up markets, right? So it's like, for instance, it's like, oh, deliver this good or like make make this good, right? And like, there's a whole bunch of these make this good. I, uh, actually, back to your point, has what they could do, let's go this direction. What they could do is they could make it very much elite, dangerous-esque story-driven, where it's sort of like, uh, for instance, we're built like the end game goal could be like, we're building this new space station, right? And everybody has to, and in order to build the space station, which is like an elite dangerous goal, right? Like, like if you're familiar with elite dangerous, elite dangerous very much was, uh, that there's like a certain sector and in a certain sector, they're building a new space station. And it was, they, we could see the space station 
being constructed, right? And so everybody has to donate goods to the space station for it to be built, right? And then, lo and behold, the space station's built, right? And that was kind of, and that was it. That was the progression that everybody made. And and why did we want the space station to be built? Fun. <laughs> well, and I think I think there could be a really interesting aspect of like if there was like a non-player faction, like an area of space that that needed resources and that you could trade resources to and you could have this kind of developing region of space that kind of progressed over time as people ran contracts that might be interesting to me like i would definitely be interested in that so or i or have the contracts like these exploration contracts where you go somewhere and if you do enough of them you might find something interesting and valuable so yes i i am willing to agree these are all interesting ideas i will say in a game in which increasing your logistics is a late game activity, yep. doing anything which takes away from logistics is a bad idea. That that's where everybody's problems are. I mean, I'm sure some players are not logistically constrained at some medium size. I my doubts, but but you just you know keep in mind a lot of middle level players are relying on small level contracts and other players to handle their abilities to do things like it's a problem to screw with that mechanic that's the one mechanic in the game that is the most constrained so add another system around that that constrains it even further is a bad idea if you want to have a market for building probes and there's a little mini game where players fire probes around the map or do something that does not involve in using up one of their two incredibly expensive limited ships great all on board don't touch the two ships that's just my personal unless, opinion not unless enough. um unless by there was like a series of these that were stacked together that could culminate in you getting maybe like the equipment for a puddle jumper as yeah. like a quest series like that could solve some of those problems in not a late game way that gives you more than just some a few resources for and sacrificing your logistical challenge i would be on board I, I would be on board with anything in the game which solves the logistic problem I, this is i i, I probably this is going to be my like hill to die on logistics <laughs> is the, your soapbox <laughs> the, the logistic logistics is the constraint and when the constraint is the primary driving constraint of the game one of the most useful rewards in the game is an ability to overcome the constraint so if you want to put that in as a outcome of an activity that actually sounds pretty good to me right if you put the contracts in and constrain the thing even further without giving any ability for players to relieve that constraint you're just making an already tough situation worse. But I yeah. think you've hit on a really good idea. And I think I think the other the other problem that I have with this is that so right now the entire economy is player driven. And if you're not careful, this can that is one of the things that I really like about the game and if if you have too many of these contracts that are just shuffling resources all over the place, the the economy is no longer player driven. There's a huge component of it that is automated. It's a risk too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It is a risk. I mean, it is. I don't know. I, like, it, I don't. I don't think that NPCs are going to be buying and selling things off the CX. I think that those components. I'm not too too concerned about that necessarily. But I get. I get what you're saying. I, eh, it's neither here nor there for me. But it is what it is. I agree with you that it is a idea to encourage more activity from new players. 
I think it's the wrong approach because it hits the weakest point. Like you've, you've, you're, the idea is sound. Execution needs to consider that shipping is the one thing that everybody doesn't have enough of. So, you know, new players have time. That's the thing. They have time, but, but even as a new player, you go to the place, you put your base in, you go back and forth, your ships are still doing things. It still takes time to get there. And unless they're planning to come up with warp gates, if they send me off six systems, I'm still losing a day of time. I mean, it doesn't matter whether I'm going to my base and waiting for it to build or my ship is going six systems. Yeah, so if you so think about it, right? If I send you six systems, that's really not much different than me sending your ship to the CX to do something, right? It The problem of nothing to do at the beginning of the game isn't, I think, necessarily solved by sending a ship somewhere. So, but I think the idea of solving the ship problem, uh, giving people more things to do at the beginning is a good idea is what I'm trying to get at. But it's got to be something that adds to the experience, not just takes what they already have and sends it somewhere else. Yeah, fair. I, uh, one thing I could, as you guys are talking, one thing I could, I could think of them doing that would be kind of interesting to see would be sort of like a, like a reoccurring contract to some degree where it's like they actually do. Cause that's where I think, that's where I see the positives is if they're because Dehas, you kind of mentioned about the fact that you're you're right that they're the the market could be no longer player driven a hundred percent right and there could be all these NPCs kind of pulling the levers right and that right, right. and that makes it difficult for us nerds that are really nerdy about like economics and all this jazz to kind of make assumptions well and first of all like these these models don't follow any economic models we ever studied but that being said I I could. One problem that Lex will even say, and uh, we've all talked about it before, is the fact that there's a like past tier one and tier two. Good luck on tier three markets. They don't exist. Past tier two markets, it's all private CXs. It's all done through corporations. There's not much else to, there's no incentive to really go past tier two, right? At the end of the day, you could you could play this game up to base 30, without even touching tier three or tier four or tier five, right? And that's that to me is a huge problem, right? Because that to me indicates, and well, and we already all know this already, but I mean, that indicates to me there really isn't any end game in this game currently, which there isn't, right? Um, so it could be interesting to see these NPC contracts flesh out. And I, and I know that Mope was kind of saying in the brief today that this is kind of a work in progress, right? So I hope Mope listens to this podcast, um, and listens to some of our ideas. Maybe we'll get them well, on the that, podcast. <laughs> and I do think I do think that that solving the intro to the game for new players, um, particularly on the free license, which kind of like opens them up to this world and what you can do with it, and ship things around and trade and all this stuff. That is fantastic. I, but again, to Lex's point, I think you got to be careful that you're not just waste because if you're sending them around doing stuff with all those contracts they're not investing that time in building their base and actually moving into a later phase of the game because you're you're pulling all of their logistical resources in a different direction i like the idea though somebody i forgot who it was that somebody just mentioned that like it'd be cool if they did do like a quest like a, like actual mmo quest line that'd be really cool where it's like you fulfill all these contracts and you get a puddle jumper or something like that. I'd be like, I'm down. Let's make it happen. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like, if you could, you could even have it be like some sort of character that's trying to build a base and they're going to trade you for some food and then they're going to trade you for some, you know, rations and then they need a, a B-fab or two. And then like the, over time they're like, okay, now I have this base and I can sell you X, Y, and Z. And then, oh, we've got three B-fabs here. You can go start a base on this planet or ship 100%. or whatever. No, 100%. And <laughs> it would be really funny as if they made me an NPC. <laughs> See, Pear needs your help. <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. Uh, the thing is, like, EVE, even though EVE is 98% player-driven game, there is still a very active NPC market that does certain things. Right? I'm not saying... Most things, you can go and do player missions. Uh, they may have changed that. I haven't played in a long time. But there were things you could do that were not totally and entirely the player-driven. You were only seeing a portion of the game mind you it wasn't the full game it arguably wasn't even the interesting part of the game but it was still something that a new player could do that was easy to get into that introduced them to the game that really didn't distract from the other things particularly bad so you can you can have a game that's almost entirely player driven activity and still have some interfaces with npcs it doesn't ruin the game if it's done right yeah, and I think I think one of the keys is if the NPC interactions are helping you build towards the later game, then it's absolutely worth doing. So one of the there's a game X4 Foundations, which is a space empire builder, and some of the quests in the game that they've designed do that, where they actually are designed specifically to to sort of kick off certain things for the player. Which you know in the game you're still supposed to create your own world and do your own thing. But they designed a few large, long quest lines, which helped set up things like if you want to start a war between factions or something. I mean, and that's in the setup of that game. But there are there are definitely room for more than just fetch quest NPC type stuff, where it it really does build towards a outcome. And I I think I would really be supportive of that. Yeah, and like you could do things uh, like one of the the fast starts, one of the best fast starts, as has already been discussed is the drinking water and ration start. Um, and so you could kind of build a little mini quest that helped a player build out their drinking water and uh, ration base that's kind of like this initial setup by selling to an NPC. And then suddenly they have this production capability that they can turn around and actually start selling to other players, sell on the market, making more money, and suddenly they're off to the races. But why should you sell to an NPC and not straight to the CX? Um, mostly for the players who come into the game are like, oh, what in the world do I do? Here's where but you can go they have... Oh, sorry. I was saying, but if they have, if they have a, okay, I need you to, to build me, I need you to sell me 20 drinking water, and here's how you do that, and the quest kind of leads you through the process of that initial start then that's kind of it's like a tutorial quest almost well and one other thing you could say because i know me and lex lex found this out a while ago but um so all the starts every single start now we we like i mean we we're always learning we're always discovering new things in this game but one of the things we discovered early on was the fact that all the starts are actually technically balanced around the the market makers so like if you have a metallurgist if you have a beef like a constructor if you're a manufacturer if you're fuel any number of things are all balanced equally around the market makers so you will make the exact same amount of money 
is if you did this start versus this start. Now, that being said, what'll happen, as we all know, is the markets are not balanced, right? The markets have a mind of their own and they throw off starts balance all the time, right? So for instance, when I first started doing fuel, uh, I started doing fuel and um, I started doing fuel and what happened was the fuel prices were around like 10 bucks. So I was getting $10 a unit on my fuel, which is pretty good. And then the market crashed. <laughs> and the market crashed pretty pretty significantly. Uh went down to about like 7-ish and that that really cut into my profits pretty hardcore really quickly, right? And so my start became a lot slower to to start with, right? And I mean partially to blame, sure, because I did talk about how great a fuel start was with all my videos and all the <laughs> stuff I was discussing. Victim but, of your own success. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so so these NPC start quests could be that balancing mechanic, right? So that if the market, and it wouldn't be hard to code. It really wouldn't be hard to code. I don't, I don't imagine it would be. You simply, you simply code in such a way to like look at the market and be like, okay, is the market balanced or not, right? And if the market's not balanced, like such as it should be, like whatever the balance is that they're trying to achieve, set up and set up NPC quests to. To, to essentially give you a balanced start for the first month, essentially. So you get yeah, this kind of recurring quest to keep on providing these people with drinking water, even though the price of drinking water is garbage. Right. And you could do that at a beginner level and you could build it around specifically around the various starts, the five or six, however many starts in the game. Six. Yeah. yeah six. But then you, then you get to a point where you stop getting this quest and you uh, have to sell the drinking water to competitive market prices. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you do have to you do have to graduate to the real market. <laughs> the, Welcome the so -called to the real, real world. <laughs> yeah. This real fake world. Yeah. <laughs> I do I do really like the idea of like some big long quest progressions that are later game and like you can get ships through it. Like even small ships or like ship components or like an upgraded uh cargo bay or something like that and then later game like factions that are are building out a new cx that just kind of has a storyline throughout the game of like over the course of like three years real life or whatever i don't know um a new cx comes online oh that gets into the if, if i was to say where would the interesting part be to this it would be if if it really was part of a larger uh, in-game experience, right? If if players, if it was the way to get players into deeper, richer in-games, because here's the thing: we already do have an NPC system, effectively, not in the, not even in the market makers, but in the upkeep and maintenance. They're they're sort of artificial markets of hey, you got to go burn some of your materials, do X, Y, and Z kind of thing. Yeah, and that's deliberate, and it's generally speaking a really good thing I, I would be clear i think having those things makes the game better but you know if you if you look at it from you know that perspective of just okay we already kind of have things that players do that generate activities in the game and if the quests our contracts were helping build those things constructing infrastructure uh large-scale long-term activities that players are participating in that that get the game somewhere and move it i think that would be 
a good idea too. I, I would be completely fine with that, which may go into some of their long-term things around what they want to do with, uh, you know, some, some of their roadmap items, perhaps. Yeah. They've hinted at a bigger story there. So. <laughs> I realized I was muted. I was like, why did I get all silent all of a sudden? Um, one thing I could see, and, you know, I'm thinking back to like the space station construction in, um, in elite dangerous is that the factions have reputation right so you so it's like uh there's like a medical crisis happening on this planet everybody please provide stretchers uh medical supplies medical drones auto docks all this jazz to the um to the planet right and and based on the tier you provide so like everybody could provide medical stretchers right everybody could provide medical stretchers and this could go on people i think the big thing here the clue would be is that like this wouldn't be like a month right this wouldn't be like all right everybody do this for a month that would make zero sense but if it was like we're gonna have this event for a year like this is gonna be the season of this like that and maybe what they could do that uh, kind of spice things up is they could be like okay this planet this month or this planet this quarter so these three months uh you provide the the supplies to right and then and then the next quarter you provide the supplies the same amount of supplies or different like different like the same so like medical supplies to this planet right or this planet right and you kind of go around that stuff right and then you build up reputation with the faction right and I then what you more, could do pardon sorry it'd be more shamed if you dealt reputation um so the the long and short, I would say, is that uh, getting back to what I was trying to get to, not only fa- not only faction rep, you know, rep, but also little little badges, player reputation. The look, the I am the big bad awesome player that's bigger and better than everybody else in the game, kind of thing. I think I, I've talked about that. I think that is a type a type of in game, right? Where it's like you're not only are you delivering these materials, but you're the grand poobah that's done all these interesting things. So I could see that fitting into that of, of not just straight up player reputation, but also, also other things too. Well, here's where it could go though, is like, so for instance, and I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'm going to take this all the way here. Get ready, prepare yourself, prepare yourselves guys. Okay. Get ready. So where you could do with this is you could have a scenario, for instance, talking about ship parts, right? Whereby, so there's market makers for various ship parts, right? But these ship, it's similar to Tarkov. If you ever played Escape to Tarkov, if anybody's familiar with Escape to Tarkov, Escape to Tarkov is a very similar mechanic whereby, excuse me, whereby certain markets open up depending on your reputation with a certain vendor, right? So for instance, vendor one, like, excuse me, vendor level one, you get basic like SKSs and basic gun parts and what have you not. But then you move to vendor level two, same vendor, but level two, then you get a bunch of more gun parts and more things and, and more kind of components, right? So go back to our example where it's like, okay, so okay, so this year, guys, and you could do like seasons, right? You could do these massive seasons, right? So like, all right, this year, guys, we are going to be doing like, it's going to be medical, right? Or it's going to be whatever, right? And it has to be a theme, right? And, and, and depending, so for instance, stretchers could be a tier one item. And so you get this much rep for giving for giving the stretcher to the to the planet of choice, right? But then you could like, get like this much reputation if you get like an auto dock to the planet, right? And you provide this massive amounts of reputation to these things. And then these market makers start opening up for you 
as you deliver these things. So it's like, okay, I want to, I want to produce ships, right? I want to, I want to build and buy or, or construct ships, right? Oh, but in order for me to do that, the market maker requires that if I want to open up this market, essentially, I need to have a certain rep, like a level five reputation with this faction, right? Boom. Not only do you solve your logistics problem, you give people like a goal, you open up all these markets. Uh, it's it's a win, 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 win. I do not see any, any, any bad ideas with that, with that kind of execution, essentially. Uh, but the, the, the one problem would be that this would drastically increase the demand for the products the planets want. But that's so not that... a bad thing. That's not a bad thing because it creates a market, right? Because we talk about like, that's the one thing this game needs. It needs a market apart from the basic six yeah. uh, professions at the beginning, but, like plastics yeah. and all this jazz, right? What would happen if the event is over and then people have all these production lines set up for these products, which aren't used anymore. You're after right. That. You're right. <laughs> You're not wrong. That's why I'm saying going for go for a year, right? Do it for a year, right? So that people can kind of, and this wouldn't be this wouldn't be for beginners. This would not be for beginners. This would be for late game players that could, because I'll, I'll tell you this right now, Kiriam, because I know you only have one base, but I'll tell you this right because I've actually done this myself. I actually rejigged a base. Like I actually, it was actually based on Lex's recommendation. So Lex came to me and said, "Pair, I have a much better recommendation," and I was like, "Damn, you actually do." <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to do this instead. So I actually rejigged my base to do it in another way that Lex recommended. And it was expensive, but it wasn't terribly expensive. It was kind of like, it was expensive. It was a cost, but it wasn't like millions of dollars out of my pocket. It was like tens of thousands. And to an end game player like myself, uh, like not now, obviously, but I'm saying like down the road, like if I was an end game player, 10,000 is whatever, right? Because now I have ships and, and all this jazz. So like, you're right, but also then it would be that those sinks and it would encourage players to, I, I just don't see any, I, I get what you're saying though. I get that players would be like, well, like I just got, like I just got into this. Like, first of all, I'd be like, if somebody was like, came into the event like late, like let's say like month 11, right? And they're like, I just got into this. I'd be like, well, somebody should have told you then, right? That's that's on you for not figuring this out. Like for not researching when the event is over. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be fun. That's just my thoughts. <laughs> I could see that working if it was if it was done well. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. I think give 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 and a lot of purpose do, to this game. And you could do like you could even tie like a, a story to it of like I don't know. The planet needs all those medical stretchers because like the weather patterns are going crazy and all these people are getting like hurt and uh, whatever global warming on some planet or something weird like that. You could tie a story to it that that kind of changed the overtime as the universe evolved, and you could have like different wars that you don't actually fight in, but that pr crop up and that need resources and like little pirate piracy things and all sorts of other just world building things that happen that could require all those resources. Well, and you could also have it be that's like you know you could have options. For instance, that it's like. Um... You know, you could support sides on something like on a on a matter, right? That you could give resources, and there could be like a competition amongst players, right? That it's like, oh, like, like, like we need to supply a lot more, and there could be like some competitive aspects, some pe like almost 
almost quasi PVP aspect to the game where it's like, oh, we give more resources to the, and then whoever has the most resources at the end of the event wins something, right? A badge, as Lex would say. Yeah, that could work. You get a you get a sash, you get a sash mailed to you in the mail, <laughs> and then you get to <laughs> you get little pins that you put on your sash, and then you go to Boy Scouts and be like, "What the heck is that? Oh, this is my medical stretcher badge. I got it when I supplied millions of medical stretchers to a planet." <laughs> yeah, that kind of like competitive aspect would be kind of cool if it had like if you could get you know attack because I know there's various games and I forget what various games. Um, I've played that did this, but you, if you participated in some event, like the, some event at some date in the year, you would get a badge on your profile that said, I did this. I participated in this event. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. No, uh, the game of the gamification, gamification techniques like that cannot be understated. hundred yeah. percent. It's yeah. And I mean, I don't know how you would do that necessarily with, with prosperous universe necessarily, but I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, but... I could see. To your point, it does need to fit in the way and the style of this game and not yeah. break the game less mechanically and more philosophically, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we just finished talking about NPC contracts. And definitely, I feel as the developers sort of kind of develop it more and talk about it more and as we see it come to fruition and i hope the developers have been listening to kind of our discussion about this uh i feel like we've we've taken a subject that i had some very initial thoughts on and kind of blown it up times a million which is uh i'm really excited to see but anywho um so me and lex this past tuesday we were kind of chatting about uh just how to improve the podcast further and just talks talking about various sections and as you probably are aware or noticed there was no weather report. Uh, and that's because we just kind of felt that it wasn't as weighty or as kind of meaningful as we'd like it to be. And we always want to kind of keep this podcast as high quality as possible. And so we've kind of tabled that for now and and, and we might revisit it later and, and flesh it out more. But uh, one of the things that came away from our conversation was definitely Lex kind of approached me and I'm really excited that he did actually about uh, hosting his own kind of sections within the podcast. And so without further ado, uh, Lex, take it away, my friend. So this will be sort of the new version of the water cooler segment. And the idea here will be to take some of the things that other players have been talking about all week and give some responses to it, have some discussions around it. I will say that uh, I very much enjoy the water cooler conversations this week. There's some new topics that are going to come out of that. And just please continue communicating. I, I definitely enjoy when people come and tell me I'm wrong. It forces me to respond. It also forces me to think about what I have wrong. So I will start with, with a couple of topics that really caught me in the middle of the week that I think are both very related, even though they're kind of separate. And one of them is, is like I said, the hill that I will die on, which is the issue of constrained logistics. And I'm going to really dive into that topic a little bit more. But also related to it is the effect it has on uh, liquidity problems in the CX. I think they're actually very closely related concepts. Both were discussed uh, at various times. And so I kind of wanted to start a little bit with a little segment where I'll talk for a bit and hopefully people will start interjecting once it gets to an interesting point. I, I think the first thing I want to respond to is there are times when we will discuss game design and I'll say there's this problem in the game and inevitably, someone will explain why there's actually a solution to that problem. Oh, you could do this instead. 
or this is how you get around that thing, or we don't really have a problem with this or that. Now, at first, I was kind of like, you know, okay. But I will admit, after a little while, I I started really rethinking this into a concept I kind of wanted to discuss, which is that in a very real sense, the players are acting as optimizers, trying to solve the problems the game designer has given them. And this introduces certain strengths in the game, but it can also create certain weaknesses. And so I'll give you an example of a weakness that can be a problem. It, it's an option the game might have where you just never use it. Like there's, there's planets out there that players don't even go to because they just don't make any sense. So they put them in the game, but there's absolutely no reason for anyone to go there, so they never do. Uh, another is you can get situations like workarounds. Uh, pairs just went through this. Uh, because of the way that they've designed the corporations and because of the way they've designed the governorships, he basically had to leave the nascent mercantile corporation. He's still at the Discord, but he had to basically create a one-person corporation. Now, this is just a classic workaround. The game gives you something. You have to come up with a way to solve it, so you end up doing this little workaround. It's not really efficient. There's no reason why the governor should be in a one-person corporation. It's players attempting to solve the constraints the game gives them. And so how does that impact this conversation I was going to have? And I'm going to go through a few points, and hopefully at the end of it, people will go, okay, that's these points. But I want to start kind of from the top. And the first is that players are currently in a game in which the actual development of new bases, that is your increase in your production, is relatively linear up to a certain point. Then it starts getting increasingly exponential costs. But it's not actually that difficult for you as a player to go through and actually increase the amount of production you're doing. Now, there are some constraints you have, but for the most part, if you want to add a new base, you get enough money, you plunk the base down, and you start growing it. The costs do grow, but there's a relatively simple approach. In comparison to this nice sort of linear growth of production, players have almost no ability until the late game to do much to improve their own logistics. And almost every action you take to improve your logistics is fairly expensive. You have two ships. Of course, you can upgrade those ships at a certain cost. And if you have enough resources and there's enough things going on, you can potentially add more ships. But the end result is is that there is a design effect where players essentially start the game with a certain amount of logistic capability, which is that thing we talked about contracts earlier. You could, as a player, go do those things. And they can use them. But they can also do certain things that the game really benefits from. They can take other people's shipping contracts. They can arbitrage across the markets, move goods to places they need to go. They can avoid some planetary production issues. You have enough extra ability that you can go to the CX and source things that later you probably want to build on planet. But as you grow, you become more and more constrained. And this constraint begins to define how the game extends. Now, it does create some opportunities. Uh, players can find ways to meet these requirements where essentially you become the person who provides this other person's ability to do things. But it's also fundamentally hierarchical. And what I mean by that, that without players able to increase their logistics capability very much, players that need lots of logistic capability essentially have to start borrowing the capability of other players those players themselves would not be able to do the same thing they are doing. If everyone was trying to do the same level of complex logistics as a highly experienced player, many of those players would run out of, essentially, there wouldn't be anybody to take the contracts. And so players 
being optimizers very quickly adjust to these rules. And you get some interesting things that I thought might be worth discussing. One, planets that people populate are picked far less based upon their production capability. There are exceptions. But more upon their usefulness in the logistics chain. Can you move it? Can you supply it? Can you get inputs in? Can you get outputs out? And so you end up... Yeah, go ahead. I just want to interject there. Are you saying new players are feeling this? I, I'm saying that every player deals with this to some degree or another. I think new players start with, I've got a lot more logistics. I don't have a lot of money. Exactly. But, I, I but, would argue that. Yeah. Like, funny enough, it's it's, it's funny you say that. It, I would say the biggest issue, and I'm actually talking about this with the, because I'm remaking the tutorials right now, right? I'm, I, I kid you not. I'm writing a, the script I'm writing right now is actually diving into that subject because I feel like that subject is gonna is the is the thing that hits new players the hardest, right? Where they're like, they're like for instance, you're talking about Demios with the the limestone and all this jazz. Where it's like, there's a point where nobody really considers, right? There's like money, right? They're so concerned about money and seeing a number increase. But then it's like, for me, it was fuel and hydrogen, right? For me, it was like I'm I'm producing all this fuel and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna produce more fuel. And then I was like, shoot, I can't actually ship the freaking hydrogen fast enough. And and this gets back to my point, which is that players begin to build their network on places where these logistical problems can be solved. So Katoa is a perfect example of this. On Katoa, you can build three, two of the three elements that you need. You have a quick access to a CX, and there's Umbra for people producing hydrogen. So it's one of the best places in the game to build fuel. Not that it should be the best place in the game, but it's been designed in such a way as that a player who's trying to optimize will optimize by putting it there because it just makes too much sense. And even though there might be places way out in the boonies that are theoretically better in terms of resource density, they don't make sense for a lot of players to go to because they're not accessible in the logistical chain of a player up until a very late point. Now, there are some exceptions, clearly. But they tend to be situations where players are, and I'm going to go out to this gas giant that produces a whole lot of this thing, and I'm going to make my logistics chain able to support that thing. But the total amount of logistical capability for players is not growing much. In fact, I would argue it's probably growing more slowly than the availability of ships to take it, which is an interesting problem. And it shows up in certain places, one of which is the CX itself is a very expensive trip. And I don't mean in terms of fuel. I mean in terms of the fact that if you go to the CX as a player, you are using up one of your extremely limited tools for doing anything. So if I decide I want to go to that market, I have now used up for a starting player half of my entire logistical capability to go to the CX, regardless of any other characteristics. That greatly reduces liquidity in a CX market. Even if players wanted to, it's expensive to go there. And there's going to be a lot of challenges. And the CX, which already struggles with the difficulty of the tier one, two, three items, suffers because of that. It also means something I think you're dealing with as a governor, which is that the infrastructure-capable planets are going to be fairly limited. Because as you've noticed as a governor, the logistical challenges are quite high. And you have to bring all these things in, which means there has to be a hierarchy of players that can supply those things. And then they have to have themselves supplied. And the end result is, is that there's going to be natural optimizations in the game 
where essentially players distort sort of a perfect theoretical game and they take advantage of, of the limits the game creates. It causes an overfocus on a few planets. People almost always talk about a named planet. That's the most interesting thing to me. There's tons of planets out there, most of which are not named, and most of the conversations are about the named ones. You very, have very rarely if you do yeah. hear somebody talk about another one. Yep. You have very limited CX capability. That is, many of the CXs are just not operating at the efficiencies they should because it's expensive to go there. You have CXs that are missing key components. And these are all results. These are logical outcomes of the design. I'm not saying players are playing wrong. I'm not even necessarily going to argue that the game designers have screwed it up. Some players really like the game as it is. And I would like to kind of open the conversation of, is this really the best version of the game? Is this highly constrained logistical thing a good thing that makes players, boy, this is exciting? Or is this creating problems or just keeping the game from being what it should be? And I would like to open it at that point and kind of build off those points. So one of the things, one of the points that I think I want to make here is that you kind of have these two tensions in that, you know, in con conceivably in the real world, um, ships are really expensive. Like any ship that's FTL capable, if, if a society ever could get there and populate a galaxy, those things would be very, very, very expensive. And so there's kind of this sense that some players want to ha kind of achieve a sort of facsimile of a realistic kind of dynamic that way. But I think that in doing so, you might be sacrificing game mechanics that might make the game itself successful in the long run. And I think that it's a bad trade-off to make. You have to, at some level, have a popular appeal as an MMO. If you don't have some level of popular appeal as an MMO, then um, you're going to limit. It's just it's not going to sustain itself. And you know this is already a really niche game, and I'm concerned that since there are only like a handful of really capable planets and a really oh, only a handful of really capable like build strategies within those planets, there's like these logistical clusters where you can make it work that everybody's going to end up. And as the game grows, everybody's going to end up doing roughly the same thing. And that's kind of what you have to do or it doesn't work. Well, and it boils back to <clears throat> kind of our, kind of our, talking about what could be with the NPC contracts and all this jazz. And it's funny where it's like, you know, it, it's almost like Factor if, if Factorio, <laughs> if Factorio was a game whereby it took you a year to get a conveyor belt, <laughs> to just get one conveyor belt, right? Where it's like, you oh, this run it is... back and forth all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, welcome to the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's very true, but I think one of the the big issues that maybe Lex you're feeling, and I don't know, and I mean I think I'm feeling it too. I'm not saying that you're alone in this feeling, is that there definitely is those logistical bottlenecks that are happening right now. But that being said, the universe is still, according to most people, like from what I gander at least, I haven't like directly gone and surveyed people, but it is still fairly young. Right, it's still a fairly young market, and I mean, I would say that that's largely why we exist as nascent mercantile. Right, is the fact that I realized that I was like, oh crap, like 
there's not a lot of ships out here. So what are we going to do? We're going to pursue shipbuilding, right? That's and why it's because, yeah, like this is the one thing that if we can do well and we can get cheap ships for everybody or relatively cheap ships or even just cheap ship parts now, which is cool as well. Maybe we should go just maybe we should pursue after like one part, first of all. Um, but back to my point, um, that eventually, eventually it probably might start to see itself solved to some degree. And I mean, but it will be slow, right? It's not going to be done. It's not going to be done in a few months. It might take upwards of a year to actually see any sort of like tangible results from our, from our efforts to some degree. Yeah, that's, that's the problem because the rate at which the production grows is very much higher than the rate at which the shipping grows because it's, it's just that much easier to just build another base, expand your production plans. And it's a lot harder to just get a ship because we have to be back in the late game to actually build several ships. And, and I, I think that's the key point, right? That if everybody had four ships instead of two, they would still only double the entire logistical capability of the game right now, which is already highly constrained. Like there, there was a deliberate design decision to put a really significant constraint in, and then when you add in these high infrastructure costs, where lots of things have to be provided, and you add in very long, complicated supply chains, you stretch the game. That to grow to those levels, players have to push past their abilities to go, and the bottleneck essentially becomes potentially. I don't know if this is going to happen, but the bottleneck can essentially lock in on of itself. Like it just it reaches the point where everybody just needs too much for the market to really grow and solve this underlying problem. Now uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, and I don't know if it's happened historically. It sounds like it hasn't, but it is interesting to me because. If you go from one base to 20 bases, but you go from two ships to three, that's not really scaled very well. And, you know, it, it, it's particularly interesting because as, as you try to build up something big, you end up in a situation where you have to have lots of layers under you. Like, Dejas is producing a lot of consumables for other people. Well, what if he was going to go, what if we all wanted to go into shipbuilding? Well, we run out of people to provide the consumables and we've got no logistics to increase it ourselves. So the market gets stuck in certain places and you end up with a situation where the middle to high level tiers are essentially only built by a relatively small number of players who are in a position where they are able to solve the logistical problems to build those things. There's very little demand for their product because of the complex supply chains. So none of it goes to the CXs and the economy just sort of stays in the same place. That's, that's my concern, if I would have any specific concern. Because I do actually agree with players that say, this is a really interesting logistical problem, and I will agree, it is an interesting logistical problem. Is it a good one to have? I, I tend to say no, but what are the counter-arguments? Yeah, let me see if I can do some counter-arguments real quick. In that, maybe, maybe what CPAIR was saying is the actual answer here, in that the we need the world to reach some level of maturity in which uh ships are just generally provided more readily by more advanced players corporations and other things where it's much easier to come by i'm not convinced that will happen because of just the the 
bot baseline bottom cost that you get into with a ship is just so high if everything was produced absolutely optimally. Because um, you just think about like just a single ship, all of the drinking water and rations and other consumables that ju and the mining and all that stuff that all builds up into that single ship. It is a lot of money. It's a lot of production capability for one single ship. And I'm, so I'm not convinced that it would happen, but theoretically, maybe it is possible to solve it that way. And I think the interesting point is it's not just expensive, it's logistically expensive, right? It's money. I think money is a misleading thing in this game because you can't, money's only good if you can spend it on something. So there has to be somebody providing it to do it anyway, right? And it really, the question I have is, is, are we, is the system too hierarchical? I, I do, I do actually agree that there could be like enough increase in logistics to ease the, the constraints. But how do we get there? What would that take to do today? And not just a more mature world, because players are going to quit. People are, I mean, you're going to have some experienced players are going to quit. You're going to have some churn. Like, what is that world in which this problem is eased and how do you get there? Like, what's the path to that? That is a good question. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm in an interesting quandary here. So I actually have a third ship now. Congratulations. Wait, um, how did this happen? Yeah. So uh, basically, um, I got it on basically a 60-day loan. Um, I have I, there, uh, a, a corporation that I'm in the process of joining, contrary to where, the position I held last, last time. Um ended up giving me a ship for a very large sum of money that I have to pay back in 60 days. What's this money? What's this sum of money? I'm not sure that I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it was millions. Tell us. Tell us. Yeah. It was multiple millions. Yep. Um, and so, like, I, it, I took a little bit of a risk because, I mean, basically I, I did the calculation and if I stopped expanding my bases, I could just save all of my income, my net income and pay it off in 60 days. Um, but it's a lot of money and it would completely halt all the rest of my production if I did that. So my, I'm always doing this calculation of am I growing fast enough or do I need to stop expanding right now to sort of save and make the loan payment in 60 days or however many days are left and so but that ship while a huge benefit does not solve my logistical challenges i am putting base number six down i have a ship on the way to put base number six down i have three ships and six bases that i am that's basically all i spend my time thinking about is how do i supply all of these bases and move all of the supplies between them. So why doesn't it why doesn't it solve your problems? Um, I'm curious about that. There's just too many planets to go to in in certain orders in order like I have to get water from one one place to another. I mean, I do I do like 20,000 drinking water and rations a week. And, and you ask me why I don't want a second base. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, so now, now we're risking the burn, now we're risking the burnout problem. So, uh, in my own personal experience, I played a game many years ago called The Tale in the Desert, and I remember that we, in one of the starts, I rushed for like three weeks, 
And after a while, I just couldn't do it anymore, right? That you're actually putting yourself in an entirely different risk, which is you're overwhelmed. You just created a huge debt that you've got to pay off in a short period of time. And now you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to solve it. Now, it well, sounds so, like, yeah, you've given the way to solve it, but it sounds like an awful lot of work is what it sounds like. Well, I mean, and like none of these problems are insurmountable. And I, I didn't I didn't say yes to that loan because no, I've I've always made sure that I've been in a position that if if I just stopped everything that was what I was doing and let it coast, I could pay off everything and meet all my demands and all that stuff. Um, so I haven't put myself in this really like risky situation where I feel like. I'm going to crash and burn if I don't, if I'm not super, super careful. That said, like it's a, it's a lot of logistical work to manage that much production output. And that, that level of output is needed in Antari space. Like there's, I'm supplying so much consumables and like it's, it's because the demand is really, really high. And it's logistically challenging to supply rations and drinking water in Antares space because there's just there's not enough fertile fertile soil around. Um, and and the problem is so this the ship doesn't solve my need. I mean it it makes it better. It makes it doable. Let's just say that it makes it doable. But I'm looking at okay, so what's the next step? And I run into this wall of I don't. There's a, a list of like three bases that I'm considering building next, and all three of them completely blow up my logistics. And so I can't do any of them. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, that's it's something that I'm just continually having to think about and figure out. Like, this is my problem that I'm trying to solve right now is how do I get another ship? And I mean, I'm looking at like, do I get a puddle jumper and put it in uh, Antari, like at the Antares commodity exchange and then serve two planets there? Do I just start building out planets in like the Deimos system or the Antares system, like that have no resources, but are rocky planets that I can just build on for relatively cheap and just stack planets in the same system so that I can logistically support them? And, and let me ask a, a, a related question to this. Is this the fun part of the game to you? Yes. So that's, this is the, 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 the thing that I feel like where, like, this is really fun for me. I love solving this problem. I just don't think that there's enough people who get the same joy out of solving this problem that I do. And that's what I'm worried about. Is that it's the game is so logistically constrained that there's not enough people who want to solve these types of problems in the way that I'm solving them. And it just, we can't, we, they're going to, we're going to hit a limit in the economy where the ships will never become available enough to make it no longer so tightly constrained logistically. Yeah. I, I will tell you that the path you were running is one that, I would worry about losing my job trying to maintain. Like I, I have too many other things going on in my life to try to run, you know, to try to generate multiple millions in 60 days on a clock and run six bases and get them all built and logistically. I'm glad you enjoy that problem. I understand. I, I think, yeah. I think there's some survivorship bias in that, that the people that like this problem are going to be playing. 
I think that's a totally legitimate thing. But I also am glad to know that some people enjoy it. it it's not the fun for me. I don't think totally constrained logistics is going to keep me excited about the game. I, that's yeah, probably that's, not me. And that's what's worried, uh, worrying me, is not that I think any of these, and I think some of the, the comments I've made in the, the water cooler right. have been taken as I'm complaining about these problems, and I'm not complaining about them personally at all, because I very much enjoy them. I'm worried about the player base is going to hit a limit on the number of people who actually enjoy that. Yeah. And so it, the game will just not grow in the long run and it will not get enough money and the devs will have to shut it down because they can't make a living. And that's the problem. There are a lot of, lot of people who are as insane as we are and like looking at math and <laughs> spreadsheets for an entire day to figure out what's wrong and what to improve. I don't know what you're talking about, Kiriam. Uh, many people <laughs> enjoy spreadsheets. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I, <laughs> I, I actually do enjoy the spreadsheet part. And, and there is some enjoyment of the logistics problem. Mostly just because I can't guarantee that I'm not going to have four days of my life that are like, I have to be ready for the fact I might lose a whole week of gaming. Like It just might not even be possible. So I can't make the kind of commitments you're talking about realistically. I just can't do it. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's in that situation. So I take it a little bit slower and a little more reliably. Not that I, not that I don't want to go faster. I would love to. But I'm but taking even, a, you know, Sorry. I was just saying, even if you take it slower, you're still going to hit this logistical point that I'm at where it's... Like... Maybe you just slow down so much that basically you save up $4 million or whatever to buy a ship to solve the next step. But you're just sitting there doing the same thing over and over again. Well, saving and, up funds. And to be completely clear, I'm very much a, uh, the journey is the fun part to me. So rushing to the end game and being the biggest guy on the mountain and having total boredom is not really exciting to me. You're uh, you're actually running a little faster than than I would want to, given where I'm at. Believe it or not, but that that's not a reflection on you. I'm excited you're able to do that. Uh, I think just different people. You know, I worry that if I got to six bases, I would start being what I would get into a what now problem. Like I don't. Yeah. Well, yeah. to be perfectly honest, I am worried about that. I'm worried about I get to the end and I'm going. All right. Well, I did it. Uh, I guess yeah. there's nothing left to do. And that's a risk. That's a risk in any game, and you know that's a whole separate conversation around. I think in game is a whole other topic for another day. But you know, I, I would definitely personally. This is me, and I think I've been pretty clear on this. I think the game is interesting if the production is able to grow and the logistics is able to grow, and players are able to expand out to the edges and do interesting things. I think of everybody around Katoa and all the engineers and EDCs coming from four places. That's not, to me, a particularly healthy game. I just don't think that's healthy, personal opinion. I think, I think that's a game that's a little less in a good place than it should be. That's my take. But you've raised an alternative viewpoint that I, I was like, what do you... So, Dejos is his point. What, is your, what are your thoughts, Seabear? What do you think about this? I was just sneezing. I had to mute my mic. Um, I... Uh... <laughs> I, 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 uh, it's a dangerous subject it's a dangerous subject to bring up in what way well 
I think about like, I think about us and I think about what we're here to do. Like what, what is my, what is my end game? What are we trying to accomplish all this jazz? And we are trying to accomplish to build ships. And it, it's sort of problematic when, yeah, like we, we eventually need to get to this point and like, Cause then the, then the next point happens after we get to shipbuilding, Right. And you're right. There will come a point where it's sort of like, and I get what you're saying to just has about, um, sort of the wall that you've hit, right. With regards to this logistical kind of barrier. Um, and I haven't hit that myself. Well, I have, I have hit it, but in the same stretch, I haven't hit it. Cause I don't know. You talk about that six bases are hard to manage with three, with three ships. Um, well, and let me be clear. The part of that is my my own configuration of where those bases are. But yeah, yeah, and that's fair. That's totally fair. And I would respectfully say, and I, I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame myself on this statement. <laughs> I'm not gonna blame you. I'm gonna blame myself on the statement when I say, uh, and I yeah, maybe it's because I haven't seen your setup. Because to me, running six bases on three ships seems like a totally doable thing. Uh, to me and i'm not trying to sound arrogant or anything like that i'm not trying to sound like i know the best thing and all this jazz it's more so like right now i have three bases with two ships um managing like completely fine like there's no sweat no problem i'm doing like a-okay um and i'm going into a fourth base and even then i'm not even breaking a sweat yet like i'm like yeah I'm, i'm making it happen but but maybe it is on an exponential scale, right? Where the difficulty, yeah, you get to base five and it's like, okay, like it's getting there. And then you get to base six and you're like, all right, I can't even do this anymore. But like I could I could build two bases in Antares space right now and I could probably build another few bases elsewhere and, and probably still be A-okay. But there'd be some bottlenecks here and there and that's where I'd probably get my third ship and then I'd fill those little, those little niche bottlenecks, right? Um... But what you're saying, back to your question, back to your kind of what you're asking me, Lex, I think it is concerning. It is concerning when when you say or when other people say, like, I couldn't even, like, I don't want to spend, like, 40 hours in the game, like, a day in the game, right? Or, like, I don't want to like, lose my job or any number of things. And I'm sort of like, I don't expect anybody to do that. But in the same stretch, I don't want anybody to be... I don't want anybody to over-exaggerate the difficulty of this, if that makes sense, where it's kind of like, <coughs> it, like I think about three bases, like, uh, like I'll give you an example. Actually, okay, this is the example I'll give. So when I was first in Katoa, like at Katoa, and we talked about going over to Antar space, I was like, oh my goodness, like, wow, we're going over to Antar space. This is going to be insane. Like, how am I going to do this? And then I did it. And it happened, and we're we're making things happen, right? Um, and I figured it out, and, and we're off to the races, and that's that puzzle-solving component, right, that we, ch- we, we were just talking about. For me, the ships and stuff like that, that to me, like we're building these ships, and like there will come a point back to kind of our original, original, original conversation about the fact that we will need dedicated players. And like I think of you, Lex, as somebody who is dedicated, Right. I think of you as somebody that's very dedicated, very like it, you're somebody that I want on my side when we come to this kind of crossroads. Right. But then 
it concerns me, and I'm not saying it's your I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm more saying actually the general principle of the mindset. Let's go that direction, where it's sort of like if you're thinking this way, who else is thinking this way? Where it's like, oh wow, like this is gonna be insane. Like I don't want to do I don't want to do this. And then I'm like, I would ask that person that was like I want like that came to me being like I want to join Nascent Mercantile. I want to build chips. I want to be 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 there and be in the group, right? But then they come back to me when I say, okay, you want to be part of the group? This is what you could do. Then they come to me and say, I can't or don't want to do this because it takes up too much of my time. And then I'd be like, okay, well, there you go. There's the problem. And you, so, I, I don't want to sound harsh here. I'm not saying you, Lex, but I'm saying this arbitrary fictional person I'm making up in my head. You know, I would tell that person, you should have thought about this a long time ago then because you really should have given it some hard thought. And maybe that's something that falls back on me, right? That falls back on me as a corporate leader, like as a corporation leader, whereby I have to make this explicitly clear to players, like people, this is this is where you're going. And maybe and maybe that's a harsh take. Like maybe that's a little bit of a harsh take for some, like that might scare some people, right? Some people will be like, oh, whoa, like I, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this, right? And I'm like, fair enough, you didn't. This is where we're, this, I, I'm handing out the survey that like I'm getting signups. <laughs> so I may be completely clear. And I think I want to make an interesting point. I want to add up part of this optimization thing. In essence, this is about how players choose to optimize, right? So Dejas has decided to create a configuration which is optimal in certain sense. And it stretches his logistics to a limit. You have chosen a path and this is quite noticeable from your choice of planets and what you produce on them, which are logistically relatively manageable. Your, your ether wind base, I've looked at it, it, it's, it doesn't require a lot of shipping. It's, it's actually very easy to move things to and from it's it. It's fast. <laughs> exactly. But that's a deliberate choice. And I think one of the things that I think is that I worry about less than the worries we worry about is when all the paths lead to the same points, the game doesn't develop in a healthy way, right? Players optimize to the rules of the game. In fact, there, there's nothing stronger that a game developer can do than create certain optimizations. And you see in a lot of games where everybody ends up with the same build. I mean, these, these games. But I will say the logistics constraint is completely solvable, but it's solvable in specific and somewhat limited ways. There's things you simply cannot do with these logistic constraints. You can do five other things, but you have to work within a certain set of rules. You end well, up with... Um, sorry, good. Yeah, well, to your point, like I, I brought some of these logistics challenges of supplying consumables, specifically rations in Antari space, and basically what I was told was, well, you just don't do it in Antari space. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Don't go do it. Don't, right? don't go do it. You do it on <laughs> really? these, these two planets. Yeah. yeah. No, but the, but that's but okay. that's exactly what I mean. He he has decided to solve a problem that most other players have just decided is not worth the trouble, and that is a byproduct of the way the game is designed. That is a design choice. I hate to get off topic here, but what was the reason? Like, what was the kind of rationale? You can't produce enough of the farm outputs to actually make it be worth it in in entire space because yeah. you have yeah. harmonia, which is negative twenty three percent, I think. And you have, and then you have to go out like six, eight, 15 hops to get to something that actually is 40 plus 40%. I have, I have news 
I I would disagree with that. And and that is and I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm disagreeing with that sentiment because um I I did that before before doing what I'm doing now in Harmonia, which thou shalt not be named. Um I did do rashes. I did do rashes on Harmonia and it worked. You didn't you didn't do it at scale. I I think the yeah, point I did it, no, I did it at scale. I did it at scale because no, I did it. I had I had a tremendous amount of money. I threw everything at it and I built it at scale. Like it was a 500 area base and I I did fine. Um I here's what I had to do though. I will ah, you know what? I will say this though, okay? I did have to keep on top of my crops. Like the crop rotations and all that jazz. I had to keep on top of that almost I would dare say twice a day. Twice a day I was checking up and like and reevaluating the recipes because the crop rotation was weird. Um but if you there's a video I made, um I think it's I don't know which video, I think it's my second or third video I ever made where I kind of talk a little bit about fertility. Fertility doesn't like it's actually not radically different. Like fertility doesn't play Maybe at like massive scales, it'll play a factor. Like if you had a 2000 area base, sure. I could see it being a factor, but like, we're talking a difference of like an hour. Like the, it was like a bean calculation. I did, I think it was like Katoa. I think I did bean calculations. On yeah, Katoa. You're, you're not calculating in terms of percentages. I noticed that from your video, you're, you're looking at is linear time when the real question is how much per, how much total, output as a percentage of your potential output are you giving up and that hits your profits right that's just straight up lost profits you can get if you can get more in the same amount of time and this goes back to this optimization thing which i think is really more interesting topic right i've I've raised the logistics constraint as a big limitation fertility is another one right that they've they've put i would say one thing about this game they've put so many constraints in this game and said go solve them that i honestly think they've actually cratered their own game to a degree it's so hard to do things that you have to be a certain kind of person to want to go do it and i don't know if that's good for a lot i don't know if that's good for a healthy population this personal opinion but you know there are a limited number of fertile planets and there is advantage there are clear advantages in terms of profitability and i'll give you an example of, of how this is you chose either win. there are many other deposits which are actually fairly close to Etherwind's production, but Etherwind is just so much better. That extra little bit matters. That extra 5% or 10% in a game constrained the way we are, those little edges add up, and players think about those things and solve them. And in one sense, I reward the game designers. I They should get an award for coming up with some interesting problems to solve. I, I do need to clarify that. It's not all, it's not all, it shouldn't all be freebies. But they've created, I think, a couple of places where they've sort of overdone it. And one of them is that the players are, are working on a relatively small number of planets that are chosen because of very specific things. And the advantages of those are just so much greater than the other ones. that it, It's very... This is my opinion, mind you. It just feels like the world is very small for such a big game. We're operating yeah, around... I'm sorry? Because most of the world isn't used. That's why it feels so small. Well, and like, um, like the difference between harvesting, let's say, water on Harmonia versus Etherwind is fifty percent. 
I can harvest 50% more water on Aetherwind than I can on Harmonia. They both have... Harmonia's got, you know, decent water output. But it's so much more advantageous to be on Aetherwind. But then, like, there's some planets that just have water coming out of everywhere, but they're just so remote that you end up with this situation where there's, like a very small number of choices you can make that the, if you want to produce drinking water and rations at the scale that I'm producing drinking water and rations, there's like a couple of planets that you can do it on. Yeah. And there's an interesting side effect here too, which is that even though there's no specific constraint, the number of planets you can realistically do engineers and scientist actions on are also very limited and for entirely different reasons, but have the same yep. basic problem. And, and that is because you have to have a certain concentrations of things, mostly logistically driven, which creates certain specific places where it makes a lot of sense to do it there and to go try to do it somewhere else. I mean, that we ran into that problem with nascent, like nascent's a good, nascent's a good idea. But boy, is that a lot of work. Could you imagine trying to be the governor of nascent with the same low infrastructure that you're dealing with with all the plumbing you're dealing with right now, see? Can you imagine <laughs> trying to do that? It's, it's manageable. It, it's, but would it's, you want, but would you choose, uh, why would you do that when Kato is already there? Like, what's the benefit of going and doing it? Oh, you mean, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I thought you were talking about the corporation as a, like, entity. Yeah, um, so, so uh, if I was to go nascent, build- um, why, why would I go build up Katoa's infrastructure on nascent? Give me a reason why I would want to do that. Uh, just to simply, uh, it really would be at the end of the day, just like that control that like definitely like, and just expanding the universe further. I, there is, there are certain things. And I mean, there will be people that will disagree with me uh, and like actually just flat out say I'm wrong. And that's fine. That's, you know, they're entitled to their own opinions. Um, where there's certain things that I do, like such as, excuse me, ship, such as ship building, right? Why do I want to build ships, right? Why do I want to do that? I want to do that because I want to expand the universe, but I also want to expand the community, right? I feel that if we started producing ships and gave ships uh, like an easy way for people to find and build ships themselves, like like do it themselves, that the community would expand, right? It would solve this problem that we're chatting about right now, right? Um, so when we're talking about nascent and what we want, why we were going to do it and, and eventually we might still, uh, that's definitely not off the table. Um, for those that I should mention on the podcast, for those that don't know what we're talking about, essentially we, we did, we actually have a named planet in the universe called nascent and we wanted to actually build like planetary infrastructure on this planet, uh, for engineers. But essentially we figured that we, we found a better not a better planet, but we found a planet that was already kind of doing that, that would allow us to go uh, do that. But back to your point, Lex, why is, yeah, just universe expansion, simply put, is the fact, clout, nothing more, nothing less, the simple, another badge on our sash kind of thing (laughs) that we did, that we did it. Give each other a high five, said we did it kind of thing. Let me ask a a conceptual question, and I'll ask other players your opinion. If if an infrastructure base was created in nascent, which is quite some distance away from a CX, and you built all that infrastructure, how much of the existing logistics of the game would have to be diverted to sustain that infrastructure base? 
and and how much cost would that have the game? Now, I know some corporations are going out in corners and doing it, so it's not impossible. But what would be the consequences of that? Like for the players, like for the government? So, or for so, the players? No, no, just just remember that the number of ships in the game is fixed, right? This, this is the point I'm really getting at, which is that every ship that's going one place isn't going somewhere else. Every single, this is, and so right now the capacity in the game is being used to do certain things. And there's certain amount of excess capacity which goes into that. But if you go put a base out in nascent and you build up as infrastructure and now you create all this need. Sure. Is the game in a situation where there's enough excess capacity just lying around to support that infrastructure? That is, could more players build all the requirements? Could they ship to it? Could are there ships lying around that would be able to supply it and do all those things? Or how much how much of a strain would that put on the existing limits the game already imposes? Because keep in mind the average number of ships in the game for players looks about maybe two and a half to three. Correct. So and most of those are probably doing things. So if we were to put a base on nascent, the ships would have to come the, the capacity would have to be pulled from somewhere else. Would that capacity would we be able to do it? I, and and it would be a would it, more importantly, would it be a good thing to the game? For there to be a base out there that's just a infrastructure base, just soaking up infrastructure as a sink, is the game in a position where the maturity of the game allows that to be a good thing? I I don't want to sound like a damp. I don't want to. I don't want to dampen your argument. <laughs> I, I know. What, I know what you're trying to go after here, and I, but I'll say this much, and and you're probably going to roll your eyes, but um, I would say yes. It, it's I I could support. We could support it. No sweat. No problem. <laughs> Um, and, and by the way, this is this is literally an opinion section. I I'm yeah. curious if we could do it. I have no data to support this conclusion. I'm just curious. No, is I have a ba- I have a I have a ship in Antares that sits around doing nothing about uh, six of the seven days of a week, kind of thing. Okay. It just sits around doing nothing. Um, it's simply there to support my Antares operations. And actually, I'm really tempted to start expanding my Antares operations. Um, so yeah, we we could easily support it. No sweat, no problem. The one thing, like, here's the thing. I I think this is something critical to understand as well. Is like, so Katoa, for instance, Katoa, is like a big planet, right? All the plots are taken on Katoa, and I know that you're thinking, and I thought so too. I thought so too. I was kind of like, I was on this page where I was like, oh my goodness, the the logistical undertaking to manage Katoa is going to be gigantic. It isn't. I do have so, news. I have, do have news for you. It's no. actually extremely easy to manage that planet. Oh, I'm I'm, gl- I'm actually glad to hear that. So, how many ships is it, would it take to support a base out on the edge? I'm just curious. Like, oh, one, any, any, one, just one, one. Yeah, I can support Katoa with one right now. Uh, so, what I do, what I've done, uh, I'll give you. Uh, so, you might be like, oh, Seaper, you're spitting, spitting. No. I- whatever i don't smoke i don't know smoke. The that's where i'm like no so here i'll give you the example and and this is why i say this so as i kind of showed you earlier i'll bring up the i'll bring up the numbers because i have the numbers here uh give me five seconds here here we go um so like i said so one of my uh first objectives was to supply the cogc right that was the big kind of thing now keep in mind keep in mind this cogc is powered and run by the amount of populations that are on the planet, 
right? I think. I'm, I'm pretty darn sure it scales with population. I could be wrong on that. Podcast, if you know the answer, please let me know. Or let Lex know and he'll tell me. Uh, <laughs> that's usually how it works. Um, so I have 1,200 drinking water, 800 rations, uh, 1,600 MCG, and 1,600 PE. You might be like, oh, those are big numbers, pair. That's two trips. That's two trips. And that's Katoa back and forth. Uh, something like nascent, which would require a little bit longer. First of all, I'm con- I'm thinking to myself that's not going to scale. So it would probably be one trip. The other thing, too, to keep in mind that if we could probably upgrade a ship, like if, if really push came to shove, like if I wanted to tomorrow, I could snap my fingers, spend some money and upgrade my ship to put a thousand uh, ton cargo hold on the ship and we could probably manage it fine. Um, and this is done every 10 days, right? So this is done every day in 10 days. Uh, yeah, I like I and I don't want to sound like I'm not trying to I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here. Lex, that's not my intent here. That's not my that intent. That is, to... Lex, just let me stop. This is the point of this segment, by the way. I, I like the devil's advocate part. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not. No, it's not devil's advocate. What I'm playing here is more of, uh, I would say, not a reality check for you, but maybe a more reality check for me, even. Whereby, it, it sounds insurmountable. It sounds like this logistical problem is insurmountable. Uh, or a big, it's a not insurmountable, but it's big, right? It's a big problem, like a big thing. When I first took over governorship of Katoa, I was kind of like, oh, geez, like this is going to be tough. Like this is going to be really hard. Um, I've had some chats with some great people. Uh, not so much about shipping. I could still ship it. Like if 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 they were kind of like, we'll supply it at the Benton CX, you pick it up and ship it, I'd still have no issues because I know how, how light this stuff is. Because a lot of this stuff, now here, now, now, get ready. I'll play I'll play my own kind of devil's advocate against myself here, okay? Get ready. Now, if this stuff was heavy, if the, if it was like, "Hey, ship 500 tons of limestone to to Katoa." Yep, I would be having some issues. But a lot of this stuff is extremely light. Like so just I'll give you the list. Like DW, rations, MCG, PE. PE is so light. Yeah. Office supplies, uh sun, whatever sun is tubes uh safety safety uniforms oh there you go yeah so a lot of this stuff is actually quite light uh like i like if i gave you guys the list i don't know if you could tell me what is the heaviest thing on this list but i haven't experienced something that's like extremely heavy right so the logistical undertaking is i it's an undertaking but back to your point that has um you know and actually lex you you actually asked a very good question to dehaz is it something you find fun, right? And you might be like, oh, Perry, you're a busy guy. You got all these things. You got the podcast. You got this. You got that. I want these things. These are the things that make it fun for me, right? I wouldn't, I would never be doing this podcast. I would never be doing the things I'm doing if I didn't have a lot of fun doing them, right? I signed up for, it's funny, Lex, you brought up about the fact that you enjoy playing board games for 10 hours, right? I'm there with you, dude. For me, I, I get bored. I get really bored on playing board games that last like these 20 minute little card games or whatever. Like I'm just bored. I'm just like, this is not intellectually stimulating for me. It's just like whatever, right? But a, get, like Lex, me, you should have like a like a live stream Twitch or whatever where we play a board game together. Because like, yeah, if we played a board game for like 10 hours, sign me up. Like, let's do it. Like, I'd love to get really nerdy and play a, play a long-term board game, right? Because that's just me, so, right? So this is interesting because I, when I was younger, I used to play games that took, like, weeks of time to play. 
so like and like some of the smaller games we played took 10 hours <laughs> um, so i'm i so like like this is just this is what has me concerned is that this problem is being solved by that type of person the three of us and four <laughs> of us i'm assuming curium maybe you played games that as well <laughs> but there's a certain type of person who's like solving this problem and i'm just i'm i am wondering if there are enough of us in the world to sustain a big enough i i think you have to start i think you have to start with the basic theory that the more niche a problem is the fewer players are going to play it right so i the the long games i play are are part of a like sub niche of players that have been at it for 20 to 30 years. And it, it's just for a relatively small number of people. And that community, even though it's very vibrant and it is a very vibrant community of 1800 train games, like there's a bunch of people, but it's not a vibrant. I should, there's a lot of people, but it's a total, like you would not be able to build a fully functioning, well-supported developed game with that crowd. You just, there's not, as many people as do it, it would be still be a small online game, right? And certainly not an MMO. Yeah. To, to get to the sizes they want of thousands of players, you've got to open it up to thousands of players. It, and you, and you know, I, I can see an argument being made that it's fun to have a constrained logistics problem. That's an interesting game. I, I personally like a little bit more of a... Uh, scale your logistics at basically the same rate as your uh, production. That's actually more interesting to me because then you get into really big problems. But I will say that I've, and this is this is getting back specifically to the water cooler. Many people on water cooler express the opinion that they like this problem, and so in a sense, I am I am sort of a contrarian position on this topic. And I, I think one of the things I will say that's very much in favor of the way people are thinking is some of this just comes down to this is the optimization problem the game is given and players are solving it. And it's really just has consequences. Arguably it can be said that those consequences are not bad. Like I, I do think it creates things like low liquidity in the CX, which I think hurts things like ship development and certain types of problems are harder to do knock-on effect right because when it's expensive to go to the cx even if people wanted to now it's expensive so i'm not going to do it and i'm not talking fuel i'm just talking logistics train well and so like i mean and this is this is this is why i'm torn personally is because so what i'm i mean my game plan here is i want to be a one-stop shop provider of all things consumables at all levels um, and so you tell me how many pioneers, technicians, engineers, scientists, etc. you have, and I will, the, the supplies will show up at your door. And that's my specialty. What that does is free up other people to logistically, to solve the ship, other parts of the logistics chains a little bit more specialized. But essentially the total amount of logistical capability is really just a function of the number of players at this point, right? It, it's, Yes, there is. There have been increases in total ships. Obviously, you're working. You joined it. You, you took the. You took the. Um, what is it? The soldiers in the military, the British Army. You took the. You know, took the money they gave you, and now you got to serve, right? So you, went, yep. you made that choice, but you made it as a rational choice. And, and by the way, I think that's a rational decision to make. 
though not criticizing at all. But it, it is um, it is interesting, right? Because because I think there is a there is certainly going to be a large player base that is really going to enjoy this. How do we build a complex and powerful world around such a constrained problem? And and maybe they're just really going to love it. I'm not sure how well that grows. I do think that is an issue. I think like honestly, my main concern. Like I would be happy for the game to be exactly like it is, as long as I know that there's enough people who will pay for it to actually make it stay around, because that's what I want. Well, and actually, it's funny you bring that up, Dehas, because so before Nascent Financial was sort of developed, and Nascent Financial was a development of, and it's going well. Uh, by the way, uh, if I guess we never really updated it, but no, it's going fantastic. I know a lot of people look at it and be like, what's happening? A lot of it's done on private channels. A lot of the stuff that's done is more private. So uh, that's what that, we expected. Yeah, in a bank. Um, but no, it's going well. Uh, what I was going to say, though, was, right, we start. well, we did. I did. I, I actually did, and then I actually deleted it. Um, we kind of called it Prun Market Makers. It was a new Discord we were making around this idea that you just described. That no, you actually just hit the nail on the head of what we were trying to do. Where it was sort of like, and and we deleted it. Not I, I, I deleted it, but I had a lot of input from the corporation, from my from nascent uh, mercantile about just the purpose of it. And you're right; it was that idea around that I felt that if someone like yourself knew that there was demand needed for said product, that you would be incentivized to go after it. Sort of like a quest board of some sort, right? That's like, it's like, hey, if you can provide this, like I will, like I'll produce it kind of thing, right? And I still think there's a need for it. Um, it just, right now, like I'm still, I right now I feel like I'm kind of in a latency pattern where it's kind of like I have to deal with a few, is- not issues, but a few like kind of logistical hurdles with nascent okay. mercantile before I jump maybe into something like that again. But um, yeah, it's something to consider for sure. And I mean, you know, what's funny, Lex, I think you brought it up just a few minutes ago. um, And it's something I have felt for a very long time. It's something that I've kind of kept deep, deep down inside me. Um, The developers are expecting, I think, that thousands, thousands of players will show up to this game. And I don't see that happening. And that's, uh, not I, a ba- that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. But it goes back to the reality that we've kind of been con- like kind of ruminating over for the last 30 minutes is simply put, it's a niche game. People enjoy it. People love it. And they're very passionate, such as us. We're very passionate about like, I made a freaking podcast about this game. That's how passionate I am about it. But it's not for everybody. I, and the thing is, I think it could be fixed. And I think it could be fixed in ways that would not destroy the experience for every player. Right? I, I do think that there's room. I, I don't think that that's necessarily a dead end that they can't get out of. I really don't. I mean, I, in theory, like, you could have multiple levels here of, like, you can play the, the, the more massive appeal of the game of flying spaceships around a universe and buying and selling goods and all this stuff. Like, you provide a lot of appeal for that while still maintaining the ability to go deep into these very complex logistical challenges. And, and I, I think that, you know, it, it, 
it really does come down to you know giving the players a certain type of experience and doing well with it. And I, and I'm probably not going to hammer that point any more than I already have. I, I just think it's a lot of the really good water cooler discussions are around solving these problems and, and, and the way people do. And most of it's actually quite positive. I do think that we have to acknowledge what, what pair is bringing up, which is that there is, there's a growth problem with the current design. The current design is, I would argue, too niche for a publicly supported game at the current time, right? It needs to be less niche if it's going to expect people to pay for it and keep it alive. Um, that's my opinion. I suspect the data sort of supports that at this point. Yeah. What they can do, you know, the thing is, I, like I said, I don't think it's a dead end. I think that... I think it comes down to giving slightly different versions of the problem and finding ways to engage, to engage people that want the complex logistics as dangerous. He wants to solve that problem. But there really isn't a middle layer of just, I want to build and grow without really complicated problems. I, I to me, you know, putting ships as an end game was kind of probably necessary because that's one of the big end game activities. I think that it, put the cart before the horse in a sense that it created a dilemma that now everybody in the game is trying to solve. And now the game has sort of become go solve this dilemma. But it's still an issue, I think, that if you take an average player and you say, you're going to play this game for four months, and four months from now, you're basically going to have the same basic problems you have today, and you're not going to be a whole lot better at solving them, a lot of people are not going to go for that. Right? There's... Um, there is generally an expectation for players that as they play longer in the game, that there's an opening up to more interesting problems and they get more and more ability to do it. And then they go, you know, the, the game starts out simple and then it gets, you, you kind of have this really rich middle and the end game is really rich with all these choices and all these other things to do. This game, I think today does not have that, um, unfortunately. And I think it's solvable, but I think that's kind of where they're at. And, well, yeah. you know, one of the things is, Lex, is so Dehaz, you mentioned that you were given a ship for like multiple millions. <laughs> yes. I'd be very, very, very curious as to what the actual actual cogs was on that, um, because we chatted about its podcast episode three about the fact that ship design is going to be patentable. Ship design is going to be a trade secret. It will be. It, it will become a trade secret. And I think one of the things that I want to do eventually, and but actually, Lex, I wanna I wanna I wanna bring back to you what you just said, like literally 10 seconds ago. See, you were talking about like solving problems, and you're like, but let me argue this. Let me let me throw this argument to the mix. So somebody somebody plays the game for four months, right? Like you said. And they're no better at solving the problems, right? But let's say that all of a sudden we did give them solutions such as more ships, right? So let's say that we finance. So like on 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 a, on a finance, so like similar to like the real world where you finance a vehicle, right? We finance ships for people, right? So they give us, they we give you ships, you give us debt, we're off to the races, right? But... Let me ask you this, because you already talked about it. You kind of already mentioned it, Lex, that do people really want to, like, people are going to expand, but, like, 
they're going to hit this limit, right? For me, there is no limit. For me, right? Like, I will continue to expand this logistical. Like, I play Factorio for mega bases, right? Like, I play yeah. these <laughs> massive games for spreadsheets and huge logistical problems. But there's people yeah. that are not like that, that are not like me. And that, like, if we gave them the, if we gave them the tools, right? About the, you talked about that's not the, it's not the destination, it's the journey, right? If we gave them the tools, such as a ship, for instance, would that solve the problem? The funny thing is, I don't know. I'm like you, and then I'm a factorial. I don't know either. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a I'm a mega base builder in Factorio. Like that's fun to me, right? That's yeah. But but to be honest. That was fun because there were a lot of small and interesting challenges along the way. That I think that's an important. If I was to express an opinion, what bothers me is that the the logistics are so deeply constrained that the number of viable solutions is a little bit less than I would like. And I I do enjoy a little more open area. That's probably my personal opinion. Having said that, it is a very constrained problem, and a lot of people really do seem to be enjoying solving it. Like, that is, for a number of people, this seems to really be the pleasure. And I, I need to acknowledge that that's completely legitimate and is, is, is a completely fine viewpoint. Here. The, the game developers have got to figure out the financing of the game and stuff from that perspective. But, but I do agree that, you know, like, I can, I can imagine... Dejas probably had to prove himself to get somebody just dump that kind of like you, you had to show some interest. Like you're not just going to fly by night and quit. Otherwise somebody invested. In it. But the fact is you're, you're clearly showing a, I'm going to stick with it thing, or at least you've come up or you've convinced people that you're not going to burn out and quit. Right. That, that you've, you've achieved that success one way I or the other. Convince people that I will probably be able to pay that loan off and that there wasn't something better they could do with it. Yeah, which is, a, which is another issue. Like, I've got a whole bunch of resourcing. Th that's a whole separate conversation of just, it's clear to me that people can reach a point where they kind of run out of new problems to solve, which I think, once again, you know, well, if I was, sorry, good. I, I just want to clarify. I think there's also some generosity involved here in terms yeah. of trust of a relatively new player. Well, I'm, I'm sure that's the case. But I, I do wonder, and this is, this is a question I have, it, is there enough going on? You know, a lot of this is a feeling I have, a feeling that the the full richness is not there because it's too hard to get there. And it may just be that the game just doesn't have enough. Like that, maybe this is the game, right? And maybe I'm I'm aiming for something that's just not there. And doing this is what the game's going to be until they add the other components, which could be completely legitimate. Yeah, you know, it is a natural question of once you get to a certain point, are you? Is this what you do? You go to new players and help them, and maybe that's the case, right? Maybe that becomes the game. I mean, I'll admit when I got my first Factorio Mega Base really done, I'm like, oh, problem solved. I've, I'm very much a mathematician. You know, why solve the problem twice? You've already proved it once. Kind of. I don't know if you ever heard that joke, but it's uh, you know, the idea. Once I've already done it, I know I can do it. I don't have to do it again, kind of thing. And so I, I am one of those people that does sort of hit that point. I'm not sure if it sounds like Pear never does. He just wants to triple the base. He just did basically. I do. <laughs> I mean, for me personally, there seems to be this like theoretical limit around base 30 ish where it just becomes impossibly hard to grow beyond that. 
Yeah, it's basically. And I want to see if I can break that limit. <laughs> and, and you see, and that's and and I get I get why that's fun. I, I you're for, not gonna for, get there with that attitude. <laughs> for for all of for all of my like, maybe this isn't the best design choice. There is something to be said for that, right? It, it's in a sense that's why I like the feedback on the topic. I, I'm kind of in one camp. And one of the things I'm enjoying about this segment, I hope future segments will be the same, is to have other people go in and go, you're, you're, my own thinking is too narrow. It's too much what I want to bring to the game. And, and I will say, we probably need to maybe move on to the last segment, unless you want to go otherwise pair. But this has been a really good conversation. And um, I appreciate particularly the alternate positions, because I'm kind of holding a stance, and it's good to have some people go back and say, no. You're missing out on some really interesting thing. Yeah, so I... we just uh, yeah we just hit the uh, three hour mark here. So why not we go into purchase our produce? So this is one of my favorite segments because it's me asking y'all questions and getting your perspective. And since we've got a couple of of basically food producers, I thought we would start with uh, topics in this space. And you know, both of y'all have both of y'all expressed that this is something you do or interested in. So let me pick some things there, and then I've got a couple at the end that might vary a little bit. And depending on how quick I get answers, I I might go through a list. So let's start with the first one. The first one is a little weird. Uh, it is a luxury that you may or may not have interested, but given the fact that you guys are involved in uh, production of food items. Would you produce or would you purchase coffee? Uh, I'm currently uh, buying it. Uh, That's complicated. I mean, so coffee is totally worth it to buy. um, Just in terms of there's very few production lines where I've seen the cost of coffee uh, not being a net positive. And coffee also has the it doesn't seem to be supply constrained in terms of it just suddenly disappears from the market so from that perspective i feel like it's totally something just i'm buying it right now but i do want to produce it mainly because of different reasons of i want to be an all-in-one consumable consumables provider but i don't think there's necessarily anything inherent in coffee that would mean that you need to produce it yourself. Yeah, so it's one of those things that. Oh, sorry, Lex. No, please go ahead. Oh, I was, I, I'm of the exact same opinion. Like it's it's very much. I think there's I think there's a group of people. I don't know who these people are, but I think there's a group of people that have obviously made it their life's work to produce coffee, and like you said, uh, to has. Uh, it doesn't seem constrained by the like like it doesn't seem like it's going to disappear tomorrow. I don't buy it. I don't use it that often. I'll admit, um, but it definitely does seem like there's enough of a cost benefit there to use it that it's created a market for itself, right? And there you go, supply demand. Yeah, I, mean, I think thing... it's. I think coffee is like a fifteen percent boost to productivity for pioneers. Yeah, and it, it it will make everything you do a little bit faster. I think the main disadvantage of using it is it adds logistical cost of everything 
consumes a little bit faster, everything needs a little bit faster, plus you have another thing that you're trying to supply to your bases in sufficient quantities. I, I find that on high return items, it's pretty much a no-brainer. On lower return items, it's not quite so obvious. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, like coffee is a pretty high return item, and if you're okay with spending logistical capital, if you will, to get it to your bases, it's totally worth buying. But you wouldn't see, you wouldn't go through the process because to build it, you've got, it's primarily drinking water and uh, caffe- caffeinated beans. Caffeinated beans are actually the trickier part because yeah, they have nutrient, yeah, nutrient, nutrient solutions. Nutrient so, solution, I, I've looked at nutrient solutions multiple times and I'm just like, oh man, producing that is a challenge. And the other thing about uh, caffeinated beans is they take a lot of water. Yep, 22. Yeah. So let me. So I'm going to jump to the next one then, because the next one on my list was actually nutrient solution. And since you've thought about it a little bit, and is it something that for the kinds of things you'd be making, and to be clear, most of them are of interest to someone who's trying to make food products, particularly some of the more luxury items. Um, is this something that you would go through the supply chain, or would you try to buy it? Is this a produce it yourself, or do you purchase it? And to make it... The big challenge is it's a limestone base, which itself is a big heavy item, and then you have to go get nitrogen. And so those are kind of the two complicated inputs in this space. But if, if you thought about it, would you, and you needed to make like caffeinated beans, or let me just go through them, um, uh, protein-rich algae, if you wanted to make raw cotton fiber, uh, triglyceride fruits, generally these are things that pop up in higher level formulas are a part of making base materials would you produce this or would you purchase it uh, i would probably actually produce it because the planet i'm on has nitrogen and i would only have to ship in the limestone which can be sourced in system okay so for you it's it's you've already got most of the components so you would go ahead and make it yeah, it's all in system, so I don't have to deal with any long trips with limestone filtrators. That'll be you, Dejas. Um, uh, definitely a strong produce decision here. Um, and but that may be particular to my use case in that I'm trying to do volume, and so to do volume on something, I need a consistent, regular, dependable supply, and as we speak, there are literally zero nutrient solution up in Antares Station. So you see this is the market you're in. You just couldn't get it without producing it yourself. I could, I could probably find it, um, but it would, be, I would, it would be like hunting around to find somebody who could regularly produce yeah, that, that was, it. That was the difference between the agricultural systems and the industrial systems because uh, Porter's Station has nearly 10,000, a bit more than 10,000 nutrient solutions on sale right now with prices ranging from 250 to 620 I see. Hmm. Uh, so that probably sounds like, a, if I was to guess, and this is not knowing this market particularly well, it's just easier to make in one location than another and you get a big difference. Yeah, yeah and, and, they, the, and, the, and there's a consistent demand. Yeah. Which also... And- uh, I think the other thing about it is like when I was doing my initial kind of spec out of the base that would produce it, 
Um, I'm I'm gonna build that on a, a limestone producing base uh, st uh, planet and ship in the nitrogen. Uh, but like it doesn't take much to get a decent amount of it. It takes less than five hours to produce four of them, and you don't need that many of them to go into like the 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 stuff that you're doing with it is not that high volume, so it doesn't take much just to produce it on a a base where you're going to use it anyway. Okay. All right. Do you have any opinions on this, Steve Pair? Are you happy with their answers? No, I do, actually. <clears throat> I do have an opinion about it, but I don't know what that opinion is. Because, um, like, there's so... Had you asked me this, like, before the podcast, I might have actually done some research about it. Because it is actually fairly fascinating to look at from, because then we go back, huh, then we go back to the coffee argument, right? Then we go back to the coffee argument and ask about coffee, because that's where I that's where I'd go, right? So I'd be like, pop, 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 pop. It's similar to how we figured out our production chain, right? Where we were kind of like, oh, this multiplies to this, multiplies to this, right? And that's actually the same kind of shebang here, to some degree, on a lesser sense. Looking at coffee, it's actually kind of nasty, but it's not the greatest, but. That being said, I would definitely produce it. Now, as you said you'd use limestone, uh, I would use nitrogen. If, if, here's where I go with it. If I was purely putting it on the market, it's a one to two ratio, which is fantastic. That's a pretty good return. Like 100% ratio, like 100% margin. That's a fairly good return on investment. But you need to be on a nitrogen planet for that to happen. To uh, one to two ratio, give or take. Okay. Uh, if I was if I was using it for something like coffee, yeah, I'd probably go on a limestone planet and and produce it there. Um, but judging by things, honestly speaking, yeah, like. But if I didn't have if I didn't have readily if I didn't have ready access to nitrogen or limestone, yeah, I'd probably buy it. Most likely, I'd, I'd probably buy it. Like, it, but like, I'd really have to. Like, is there's a lot of things. The cool thing about it is that there is a lot of things that it can go into, which is really yes. neat. There's That's actually a, one of the decisions to produce it is that if it gives you flexibility. Yeah, it, it's it. There's a lot of things for it to go into, and I was I was just pulling up an Excel spreadsheet here of of just kind of calculating everything here, but. Um, yeah, it, it's something I definitely would produce, but I mean, I would produce it with the idea that I'd produce it to produce coffee, and then from coffee, I would figure out the cost-benefit savings of, so I use coffee to accelerate my production, what's the cost, like opportunity cost versus opportunity loss kind of on that, and then from there, I'd figure out if NS was actually good to use or to sell, because to sell right now, it's a one-to-two ratio, so then I would wonder... What is the actual margins? What is the actual op cost on using it for coffee production, right? Um, so it's very interesting. It's actually extremely, extremely fascinating. Um, I, I would definitely encourage anybody listening to this podcast to go just do a quick, uh, quick rabbit hole study <laughs> and figure this stuff out. Like figure out if it's actually worth it to use. Maybe we should make a new segment, use or sell, <laughs> Uh, because yeah, uh, it might be better to use. It might be better to sell depending on actually what you're using it for. Right. Actually, that's a, that's a whole bag of apples and then some, 
right? So um, I definitely, I definitely agree that there is an interesting question, and it's kind of more like what are your cash crops versus what are your you know personal use type stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, so, I'd, I'd say as a personal use item for to make coffee, like coffee is terrible to build the supply chain, like the 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 mechanics for to actually produce it yourself. If that's not something you're going to sell. Because you so don't do it high volume. It's like a lot of complex moving parts if you're not going to sell it. So you see that literally you'd produce it, but only as a gas crop. You would otherwise yep. buy it as you needed it. Yeah. All right. So let's move to the next one. A staying in the same general genre, a DDT. And before I ask other people, I use it in relatively small quantities. So I am a purchaser. However, I will admit when I ask this question that I have had some challenges sourcing it at times. So I have a feeling about other people's answers, but I'd like to run it by people. DDT. Oh, oh produce. 100%. No, no, no. Yeah, 100% no. produce. There is I, no argument here. <laughs> yes. Produce that crap. There is not <laughs> enough DDT in the galaxy. Produce it. And okay. even better, I've got hellite crystals on my main farming planet. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, so and we will... Uh, so we that would that one is quick. I, generally, at least one of these is not going to be a long no, no, conversation. No, no, no. Here, so, here's why. No, no, I actually agree with you. I, I have noticed the problems of supply too. No, no, but I want to tell for the podcast. I want to tell for the podcast sake why I'm saying this is because DDT, like in itself, DDT, like if I were to pull out the material for DDT right now. It's, it's used in a few things. It's used in a few things, but nothing really of like great amounts of interest. But I mean, like eh, there's a few things here and there. But the thing about it is it, uh, there's, uh, an, um, there's a negative. Uh, this is kind of interesting because I've done the study on this already. I've actually looked into this. There's a negative multiplier effect when going after MEA meals. So if we were going after MEA meals, there's a negative multiplier effect. So essentially to... To produce produce uh, uh, a great quantity or the enough quantity of MEA meals, which are scientist meals, like so the scientists consume MEAs. Or I, I have that right, correct? They're called MEAs. Yeah, MEAs. Yeah, uh, quality meat meals. So in order to produce enough, you have to produce like just absolutely like unreal quantities of DDT, because because and here's why because there's multiplier effect whereby. You need two fim. You need two fim to produce um, two meals, right? And to get those two meals, you need to produce. Uh, it, it'll be well. It's actually not that bad. I'm actually looking at it now. Maybe my study was wrong, but regardless, regardless, down the road, if here's the thing, anybody that's thinking of the end game, anybody that's thinking of going end game in terms of shipbuilding or going into tier three, four, five, what have you, not. If you're not producing DDT, I don't know what you're doing. Like either you have a very strong supplier of DDT, which is fine. You can you can find a supplier. I mean, nascent mercantile, we have a supplier of DDT that produces it. But I mean, if anybody was like coming to me being like, Pear, I really want to get into something really cool and advanced, I'd be like, DDT, do it. It's it, you, the demand is unlimited. You will always have demand for DDT, no matter how much how much you and think even you know. in ic1 there isn't a lot of ddt being sold right now like 30. i grab it when i can and obviously i buy from the nascent mercantile supplier on a regular basis 
I pick it up at Benton Station as part of my occasional runs through there. And it te- that's the only time I've occasionally got a deal there, but it's not on a great price right now. So not surprised. All right. So next one, this is, this is for the fact that so many of the people are in the consumable space, but are basically farming. So what about overalls and how that fits uh, your strategy? Is this a produce or purchase in your own consumable cycles? I've purchased one batch of 500 overalls and they still haven't bought any new ones. So. You don't need tons of them, but is anybody, so you would purchase, I currently purchased. Is anybody, the, the challenge here is that it's in a, it requires plastics. Any formula you do is going to require some yeah. plastics. So you're kind of in a different business. And I would say a plastics producer might clearly produce this. But as someone who's in the farming business, is this a purchase or a produce for you? Uh, per- purchase, yeah. What about you, Dejas? Uh, I'm going to produce it for two reasons. Number one, I've already said, because I'm trying to pr- provide a package deal. But the other two, the other reason is um, I, already pr- I already purchased large quantities of the ingredients. Um, let me look, double check that. I'm saying that things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I already have those materials on hand. So for you, it's a I've got the materials and I'm going to go out and produce it. Yep, and and so like in particular, I will grow cotton fab. I will make cotton fabric because it's already elsewhere in my supply chain. The raw cotton fiber is. So you you, you'd approach it that way, where essentially you take advantage of the fact that you've got the farm production already and you would reduce your plastics requirements that way. Yeah. And so, I mean, I am highly dependent on plastic purchase. Yeah. Um, and that just seems wise because then for a whole getting into the plastic supply chain seems that's kind of like completely, it feels completely orthogonal to what I'm doing. Now, would you add ability to turn the RCOs into cotton and reduce the PG, go to PG instead of PE, or would you do it on PE? I would do PG, because I already purchased lots of PG. Okay. Because um, like, that's also how I make drink, like mass amounts of drinking water. Yeah, I, I was curious about that, because that, that is a... <laughs> I just imagine all the poor bottled water that's being wasted, but... Uh... Because I, I kind of laugh. I assume that's bottled water, you know. So, uh, okay. So the last one is an interesting one, mostly because one of its components is non-trivial to get. But it is a luxury good at the, I think it's at the engineer level. And that is Einsteinium-infused gin. I never had to deal with that. So is that, uh, That's G-I-N, right? Yeah, G-I-N. G-I-N. So it's grain, drinking water, ammonia, but the big nasty part is it requires Einsteinium, which is not a trivial thing to go around and get. Now, it, does, it is a requirement for those magical EDC producers, which is, you know, so there's definitely it's not, it's a market a requirement. for it. It's not a requirement. Okay, but to get the full value of it, to, to get the full satisfaction levels, it's something you want to give them. Oh, so there's, sure. Okay. So it's it's a force multiplier on basically a money maker. So it's one of those things that you make you make or buy to efficiently get it. And it's you can get some on the market. It's it's certainly not impossible to buy. 
the current stage of the market, if I look out there on, for example, Antares, there's orders out there. It's, it's Antares is running in the you know three thousand range, but remember this is a product to give some sense of how many hundred engineers would require. Let me take a quick look at the number. I didn't write it down. Engineers like to use up uh, uh, one of these per hundred a day. So you don't need a lot. And it's very and difficult to produce. So engineers where are a small fraction of your population or not small necessarily, but of a, a part, only a part of your total population. Yeah. Typically. Yes. So is given the complexity of this, even though it's very good for what it's used for, particularly if you're making the big money makers, is this something you just source and buy on the market? Or do you, or do you go to the trouble to produce it? Where do you get this? I mean, where do you get this Einsteinium from? Well, you can liquid make, Einsteinium. You can make this from? liquid Einsteinium. I'm, yeah, where's I'm actually, the liquid Einsteinium from? Is that uh, like the, a... planets, the planets that have it, they're Goldilocks planets. There's not very many. It's <laughs> uh, it, 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 I don't think a single planet has it as a name. Like not a single named planet has it, which tells you a great, great deal about it. I'm actually going to see if it's if the uh, actual material is available. Sometimes you can get it as a. I'm just going to check real quick. Here, yeah. here's where I go with it. You know what? It's interesting. Actually, it's actually. Oh, you know what, dude? Oh. Damn. I would definitely produce this thing. 100% produce. Okay. Why? Be like, so I would set up a base. I would set up one base. Oh, this is so, so well. Okay. Oh, I, I, oh, shoot. Never mind. <laughs> you don't. You don't. Uh, I would not much. produce it. I would not produce it. I would buy it. But even then, I'm not going to buy it. Like, it's just a long, like, no, I'm not going to. Uh, it's it's not worth its cost. It's it's well, no, it's not. It's not. No, you're losing money. You are losing money if you decide to buy it. It require it has a quirk that the plant to produce it is an engineer plant. Uh it's a scientist engineer plant. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's nasty expensive plant to produce Einstein. So you get ten Einsteinium. Now here's ah here's where we go with it. Let's go this direction. So if I could source the Einsteinium 7,041 for, and then four times three, uh, you know, I would, here's the thing. If I could find uh, Einsteinium decently well, uh, like just the raw Einsteinium, not the liquid Einsteinium, but the raw like ES, sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd produce it again. It, it's fairly easy to produce. Um, uh, like the fermenter is, um, I think the fermenter is just a settler building, which is nice. But like the liquid Einsteinium, it, here's uh, here's where I'll go with it. Liquid Einsteinium, that that plant, whatever it's called, it's a, uh, it's oh, it's actually called an Einsteinium enrichment plant. It requires, you're making pardon. Yeah, it's not a not a common plant. Let's put that. No, it's not, and it requires forty. It requires sixty engineers and forty scientists. It's expensive as all get out. So in this case, what you'd be dealing with is you'd be well. It requires RFABs too, which is just going to be through the moon. Like <laughs> this is an extremely end game plant. Like this is like a like this is like a tier five level. Well, it's actually a tier four plant. Crazy enough, 
It's a tier four plant, but um, if we could produce it at scale, probably what we would do most likely is something like a grandpa Canuck base. Like if we had a horizontal base, like a horizontal like chemistry uh, engineer kind of base setup. Uh, yeah, and we could we could we could produce out the liquid and like take the liquid einsteinium and produce einsteinium from it. It's a one to ten ratio on that, so that's really good. So you do like a kind of a one off on it. Um, so yeah, it's a very interest. You've you've picked a very interesting topic. Actually, it's uh this is quite a I could I could keep talking about it for quite a long time. So this is one of those that I come strong on by unless you're really going to invest in it. Because it's even more complicated than that. Because, so liquid Einsteinium is 8.84 tons per unit. Oh, shoot. I never realized yeah. that. So it is, it is heavy. And... Well, you're not shipping that thing off planet. <laughs> you're not shipping it off planet, which means that you want the Einsteinium enrichment plant on planet. And yeah. it requires engineers and scientists, which means that your planet infrastructure has to be up to snuff to actually attract engineers and support support them. Which means that it's super expensive to get this stuff off planet. And there's probably only, like, you probably only need, like, two or three players in the entire game to support, to actually produce the Einsteinium that you need to make this stuff. And so it's just a huge investment in the supply chain. You just don't, I just, I would buy it. And here's the other thing. Here's the other factor. Is that, from what I've seen, at least over in Antares space, most of the players who would use this to help them out with their efficiency and help them produce more um, are actually, they're having more trouble with getting the planet infrastructure to attract enough engineers for the common core planets yep. to actually get their efficiency up. So this is like, Einstein infused gin is like more of an afterthought bonus if you can get it. So you buy it when you can, but yep. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put a lot of money into investing well, in it because it's not your biggest bang for the buck there. And I'm just looking at the numbers here. Like I'm looking at CX numbers purely, like just like Benton CX, like CI one for instance. Essentially, if we're just talking like raw straight numbers, like just like straight production here, it takes 12 hours to produce 10 Einsteinium. 10 Einsteinium produces 40 gin. 40 gin goes for about 40 gin on the market goes for about. It'll go for about 140,000. So it's actually, I'm with Dehaz on this in the sense that like you have to invest. You have to invest in it because actually it is a crazy good, it is crazy good investment because essentially in in a day, you can make about uh, $280,000. Like, like and that's one, that's one Einsteinium enrichment plant. Like, yeah. let's let's start talking about five or seven of them. I and doubt now you're sell that many. I just uh, Einstein. We're not. You mean the gin? I don't think you can. Can the product sell in that quantity to justify the five or six plants uh, over time? Over time, I don't. You're right. I don't think this is why I'm talking that this is probably a horizontal base. This isn't a vertical Einsteinium enrichment plant base. This is a this is a scientist engineer horizontal base of some sort and. And and maybe 
uh, maybe you're shipping in the uh, Einsteinium. Now, I know, as you said, don't ship in the Einsteinium, but I mean... <laughs> well, the, with those, the with those numbers, with those numbers, I don't know, dude. That's a pretty, pretty good return on the investment. Liquid, the liquid Einsteinium is eight tons. The Einsteinium itself, once it's been processed, no. But what I'm saying is that you do ship in the liquid and Einsteinium. So what you do is oh, you ship yeah. in the liquid Einsteinium onto a horizontal scientist, uh, and and people know what I mean by horizontal. I mean that it doesn't just produce Einsteinium. It produces like like twenty other things, right? Similar to that's how true. Grandpa Canuck does it. Um, so you could do that. ship pardon, sorry. You could do that. If you had like a, a 2000 ton ship. Yeah. Well, no, like, okay, mode. let's go. Okay. Fair enough. Let's do 500 divided by 8.84. You're doing 56 units of liquid Einsteinium. Okay. Get ready. Get ready for this math. 56. So you do 56 times 10 times 40 times 3,500. Cause that's what it's going for on the market right now. Uh, so if you did a full 500-ton ship of that, of liquid Einsteinium, to uh, Einsteinium production base, uh, you would make 7840000 Which you can, yeah, it's a there decent amount go. of money. <laughs> it's a decent <laughs> amount of money. I mean, yeah, so it's, it's an investment because I'm... It I, is an investment. Yeah. I haven't seen where these are on the map, but I'm assuming that none of these planets are like really close. So you're gonna need a ship that's gonna that you're gonna need to be able to purchase a ship that's gonna make the trip trip out there. It's gonna be a multi day trip. There's one within five of Antares, one within four of Antares. Well, never mind then. That's I suspect true. they're probably, but they like one of them requires a TS basically TSH, a high temperature. Oh, IY028B is the one that, but yeah, the, there's a few here, but they're kind of probably hiding on their own little spots. I'm curious if anybody goes there for any other reason. But, uh, I mean, my, my instinct here is that like, there's a whole lot of other things where you can just drop a planet and make a bunch of money or drop a, drop a base and make a bunch of money um, that are the problem with this is the volume is not high enough. So if you invest in it, you may not even be able to sell it all. Well, that price. don't 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 look at the. I, I'm I'm guessing you're looking at the CX or CXM just as I am. I would say don't look at those numbers too closely. Uh, because well, eh, never mind. Actually, I'm looking at the seven day forecast. I mean, what what I'm going to do is. When I get here, I'm going to have a huge chunk of change to go build this base up on this really hard to build a base on planet and include it in the package. And so I'm not going to sell this on the CX. It's just going to go straight to the customers. And it's going to be a small piece of the whole package. What is, sorry? The gin and sunny infused gin. You're not going to use it or you are going to use it. I I'm, I'm going to use it, but I'm going to, but I'm a, as a consumable consumables producer, I'm going to make it, I'm going to figure out how to make it. Because sure. I want my customers to be able to buy it. Um, oh, I get what you're saying. It, oh, yeah. Well, no, 100%. Like, it's a great investment. It is actually a great investment. It's probably one of the highest investments. Like, the the multiplier on it alone is actually through the moon. And it, like you said, if you get a ship that's like 3,000 tons, because it does, uh, it's heavy, right? It's a heavy thing. Right. It's, not a, it's not a volume thing. Yeah, you do so, a 3,000, 1,000. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You do a 3,000, 1,000. You ship a lot of liquid Einsteinium to a horizontal base. 
I mean, the profits there are through the moon. You'd be making tens of millions. I kid you not, tens of millions of dollars. Now, looking at the, yeah, you'd probably find you'd probably find uh, demand, right? You'd probably find people that are looking for the gin, right? Instead well, particularly going off the CX alone, right? Particularly if I already have established customer base and I say, hey, would you like exactly. to buy gin? It'll be delivered at the same time. Yeah, and they, it's literally only money to them. Yeah. So you're here to hear it first podcast. Honestly speaking, gin is uh, probably a really good investment if you're looking to get. Now, that being said, you have to figure out how to get the scientists and engineers figured out. That that alone is a tough one. But I mean, uh, yeah. planets exist. Well, there's planets that exist out there. We we know of planets that exist out there that, that are like that. So. And one, oh. of the things, one of the ways you can actually solve that is go build a base on a planet that has them that's generally used for another purpose. Yep. Yep. Well, that's just, the horizontal bit I was talking about. Yeah, right? you just so do you, the horizontal bit on a, yeah. a planet that wasn't necessarily optimal for it. But yeah. since you're making so much <laughs> bank, you don't really care. <laughs> I love it, dude. Honestly, that is a fantastic product you brought up. That is, I've never looked into it. That's that's something special for sure. And we will end on that one. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you very much, Lex, uh, for those topics. Just fantastic. It was it was great just uh, discussing them and having a lot of fun. Um, and thanks, Curium, for coming on board. I know it's like, yeah, for those that don't know, Curium's in Europe, right? And so yeah. it's actually like super early in the morning. <laughs> it's 7.30 a.m. right now. And the sun <laughs> oh, has wow. Yeah. Wow. So, no, I appreciate it, Curium. Thanks for showing up, man. Uh, I'm volunteering. I, ho I hope you had fun, Curium. Uh, yeah, I had yeah thank you for coming and uh Deh has always a pleasure to have you um and uh yeah lex thanks for bringing those topics to uh to mind it's been fantastic so i hope you guys have learned lots i know i have i felt like this podcast has really been an educational podcast i felt like i've learned a lot um and i hope you guys have too uh keep up the water cooler discussions definitely uh been really fantastic reading them and i know lex has been responding to them so that's been really really fantastic um yeah if you guys want to see something in the podcast or discussed in the podcast uh and like you feel like uh <coughs> excuse me it might have been mixed uh, missed on the water cooler uh definitely reach out to me or lex uh just dm dm one of us and uh and we'll definitely make sure that we can get it on the next podcast episode for sure uh we do definitely enjoy these podcasts and yeah sorry for being kind of out of schedule here canadian thanksgiving what can we do um but uh, yeah, you guys have yourselves a fantastic evening and we'll see you next time. Thanks. This has been the Pear Talks Prime Podcast, hosted by C. Pear and Lexander, with special guests, Curium and Dehas, produced in affiliation with Nascent Mercantile.